From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. It's seven minutes past the hour. Thanks for waking up early in the morning. We begin on yet the latest disturbing, indefensible Joe Biden at work. Biden is making it so that military members whose jobs that he took away for no good reason now have to pay back their signing bonuses. Very, very early this morning, I would say a couple of hours ago, I watched two different interviews these are young couples with babies. In one case, they've been told they have to repay more than $23,000 by the end of this month, seven days from now, 23000 You took their job away, and now you expect them to pay you tens of thousands of dollars. I'm telling you, this is the America that we now live in. If you don't think elections have consequences, uh, I'll quote Joe Biden, you ain't breathing. It's unbelievable. Another family I saw uh, has to pay back $14,000 in a relatively short period of time. Our military is decimated. It's, it's what these socialist Democrats do. Obama, Biden, Jimmy Carter before that. Fiscal year 2022. This is how far behind in terms of the typical recruiting that would easily be able to be achieved. And you could do it again if you get rid of these people. I'll tell you what, I never wish life is so precious. I never wish time away. I, 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 I just wish we could make it that tomorrow was the first Tuesday of November of 2024 we we can't we can't take much more of this as a country the army is 15,000 soldiers short the national guard they lost 7,500 service members the navy miraculously has met its goal the marine corps has met its goal and the air force has met its goal through no help It is just completely outrageous that military members should be treated this way. And then you look by comparison. Illegals get $700 a night hotel rooms. Food, all the food they want, and they're throwing it away, throwing in the hallways. You just, you don't even, I mean this, you think you know what's going on. It is infinity times worse than you think it is. And yet this is, these are the priorities. Biden meets with, with uh, leaders that they should be talking about the southern border and things like that. And instead, Biden's talking about transgender and, and equity. And it's just beyond, beyond comprehension. It's madness. 
is what's going on. And just continue with the maddening and the madness theory. Biden has a plan to halt the illegal crossings at the border. Do you know what his plan is? His plan is to make it legal. Then it's not illegal anymore. I mean, it's you can't you can't even make this stuff up if you tried. And the numbers that they want to do are just unbelievable. 30,000 a month. Craziness. So that's the Biden plan. What could go wrong with that? And just keeping on the um, the uh, theme of bizarre unfairness and everything that's going on, the double standards and how one side gets treated versus the other. If you have direct TV, you may lose Newsmax television tonight. They're deplatforming them for no reason other than you know what the reason is. If direct, if uh, Newsmax was some um, whacked out, far left, sicko station, no problem. Congressman Wesley Hunt of Texas and 41 other House Republican members. How can it only be 42 people? This should be every Republican. It should be every Democrat. Look, I'm not a, a very faithful Newsmax television viewer uh i prefer fox news but newsmax is very good i actually appeared on newsmax a few weeks back they're good people and what the democrats don't like is that they are my goodness they're they're far more conservative than fox news so they want to get this is how the democrats work they don't want to compete They want to eliminate you. This is no different than Trump getting deplatformed by Twitter and Facebook and so on. This is incredible. So how do they do that? And and we talk about this all the time. They choose their radical ideology over business. Because it's absolutely profitable to have Newsmax, which is really growing very, very well. So these congressmen, all 42 of them, they wrote a letter to AT&T, DirecTV, and hedge fund TPG Capital, which is the minority operator of the satellite system. And they're urging them that they're deeply concerned that it's an undemocratic assault on free speech. And they're, they're really strongly Going after this. If Newsmax is deplatformed, it would be the second time that AT&T's DirecTV has deplatformed a major conservative news channel in just the past year. Newsmax, you may or may not be aware of this, is the country's fourth highest rated cable news channel and a top 20 channel overall. And it's been carried on all major cable systems. So why would they do that? And rinse and repeat. And it's the answer I gave you a little bit ago. Because of their philosophy. And what they do is DirecTV, they continue to claim that these moves to deplatform 
what is it called? One Nation, but it's O-A-N, I think. One. And Newsmax, that they're for cost-cutting reasons. But dozens of the liberal news information and entertainment channels with far less ratings than Newsmax and One have consistently been renewed by DirecTV. So what, what, why would anyone do that? Why would you keep less profitable partners and get rid of more profitable ones? And you have to, even if you're not uh, a regular viewer, I think you have to just, I wouldn't want Democrat stations. I don't want MSNBC off the air. If Newsmax is removed from DirecTV in less than a year, you will have lost two of three cable news channels that reach conservative voters. Two out of three. And let me tell you something. Don't think maybe, just maybe, they'd make a move and go after Fox News Channel. Doubtful. They're so established. But this is crazy. So they they get away, and I, I, I truly believe that, and I don't ever believe in going after anyone's livelihood or any of the things that the other side does, but they should have their license pulled. This is not America when you have this kind of censoring that goes on. And it's very, very dangerous. It's approaching 17 minutes past the hour. We'll step aside for our Fox News commentary with Tommy Laren. We'll be right back. Please don't go away. You have chosen the right program. It's early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, newly minted yet again as South Jersey's number one news talk radio station, all because of you. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Open forum coming up for the first half of next hour. Larry Sieg, that's S-I-E-G, Larry Sieg, president of Visit Atlantic City. And we're going to talk about what that means. And in the 8 o'clock hour, Jim Curcio, our Atlanta County surrogate. And in the 9 o'clock hour, John Walters, all about reverse mortgages. As usual, a very busy, jam-packed morning here on the Hurley in the Morning program. I I urge you, please consider what we opened with here this morning. The danger of these liberals getting away with deplatforming for no good reason. Individuals off of social media, entire television stations. This is extremely dangerous stuff. And if we just ignore it, they're going to keep doing it and they're going to keep getting away with it. And then the only thing left standing will be their radical ideology. They will, they're trying to criminalize opposing thought. I'm not exaggerating. They're trying to do it. You have a lunatic member of Congress that said if you criticize a person of color that you should be criminally charged. Now, that's insane. I don't think anybody that that I know even thinks about 
the color of someone or any of these things that the left fixates on and obsesses about. If I criticize Maxine Waters, it's because I think she's a jackass. Criticizing the police, calling for defunding of the police. Then she quietly, when she flies into Chicago, asks for a personal protection police detail. And if I criticize that, I've committed a crime. If they get their way, that's the country they're trying to turn this into, where only their thought will be legal. How scary is that? Fox News commentary. Kim Kardashian gave a talk at Harvard, and now both her and the university are getting dragged for it. I'm Tommy Lahren, and my surprising take is next. It's Jesse Kelly here. I can't afford to lose 30% of my 401k or IRA again, and I'm assuming you can't either. Call Oxford Gold. Securing your IRA or 401k with real gold and silver is a portfolio protection plan, and Oxford Gold has made it easy as one, two, three. One app, one call, and you pick your precious metals. That's it. You now own precious metals. Call Oxford Gold today to learn more about the one, two, three protection plan. 833-404-GOLD. 833-404-GOLD. Kim Kardashian led a guest lecture at Harvard Business School alongside her Skims co-founder. And now the peanut gallery is ripping not only Kim, but the Ivy League University for inviting her. Some trolls saying a lecture from someone like Kim undermines the prestige of the school. Others saying Harvard has lowered the bar. Well, guess what, haters? Kim Kardashian is worth almost $2 billion and her Skims brand an estimated $3.2 billion. You might not like Kim or how she got her start in business, but the bank doesn't lie. This girl knows how to sell and she knows business. And I am I'm so sick of trolls and haters dogging on her and her family. Guess what? They are this rich and successful because we, the people, watch, follow, and buy their stuff. So haters gonna hate, and Kim is gonna take it straight to the bank. I'm Tommy Lahren, and you can watch my show, Tommy Lahren is Fearless at Outkick. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins this afternoon at 1. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you very much, and welcome back to the Hurley in the Morning program at 24 minutes past the hour. Uh, so thankful and so grateful that you are here because the, um, the fact that we are here in our 31st year is solely because of you. And I've never found a way to properly thank you, so that's why I remember to remember to thank you every day. Uh, and I do want to thank some listeners for some comments on our opening monologue. Uh, th- these are the things that we think about. And th- these, this is how we think about those things. I don't know what it is about simply having a pro-American philosophy that for some reason is out of step right now. I mean, I know why you have absolute raving barking, mad, lunatic socialist Democrats that have achieved way too much power in this country. You know, I think, honestly, it, and, and that's why these elections have such significant consequences. If we look at how many people in this country, for example, how many people agreed with defund the police? If we broke it out, it's a very small number. I mean, I don't, I don't think it could be 10 or 15 percent, but 100 percent of the country was managed as though 100 percent of the country 
and see that that's what what we have to we have to have a full grasp of the fact that this is not a democracy this is a representative republic we we pick people and trust them for a term a period of time two years four years whatever the office might be six years for united states senators and it was all laid out very very well so that hopefully even if you had a radical period that the american people would grow very weary of it and they would make a course correction and you you would stop it what these very devious conniving sneaky people what they've been able to do is weaponize the permanent apparatus of the republic that's where they got us you can have the turnover in the house of representatives in the senate the presidency you can have that turnover but if you've got the entire education system locked and loaded on craziness on CRT and nuts craziness and all these other elements where they have control through very powerful agencies where they can crush you or they can make your life very easy. That's what we have going on right now. And it is so dangerous. My goodness. It is It is just... It bears watching, and we cannot sit back and do nothing about it. How about uh, three cheers for Josh Hawley? Josh Hawley of Missouri. I believe that's where he's from. United States congressman. Quote, members of Congress and their spouses shouldn't be using their position to get rich on the stock market today. I'm introducing legislation to ban stock trading and ownership by members of Congress. I call it the Pelosi Act. Now, on its face, you got to love that. Here's what I don't know. Most people may maybe never even heard what I just shared. But this is this is truly I, I've been I've been calling for this for so long. Do what the Democrats do. Pick these names that just drive you nuts. The only difference is this name fits. But it isn't just named after Pelosi because of Nancy and Paul Pelosi. Remember, he bought $5 million in semiconductor chip stocks just days ahead of a House vote, okay, that was going to give $52 billion to semiconductor producers. Now, you believe whatever you want to believe – You believe he didn't know anything that that was happening. You believe in coincidences. You believe in the tooth fairy and whatever you want to believe in. I know what I believe in. I don't believe in coincidences. If there's a $52 billion measure to give semiconductor producers that kind of dough, and this guy's buying $5 million in semiconductor chip stocks just days ahead of the House vote, sorry, I apologize for thinking the way that I do. But this this act, the Pelosi Act, it's not just Nancy Pelosi, Paul Pelosi. It is that, but it stands, it's an acronym. Preventing 
elected leaders. I don't even know if Don P. Hurley knows this. He knows about the Pelosi Act, but I don't think many know about what it stands for. Preventing elected leaders from owning securities and investments. Pelosi. Oh, my God. What I'm telling you, that was like a Christmas present when I saw that. Tell me that's not fantastic. It just rolls off your tongue. Preventing elected leaders from owning securities and investments. Pelosi. Repeat after me. Preventing elected leaders from owning securities and investments. The Pelosi Act. Let's make it famous. Now, you know the Democrats won't pass it in the Senate, but I don't care. I still love it. Let them vote against not being able to leverage, brazenly leverage their position and the insider information that they have. Let them live that way. Good for them. Uh, But I love it. The Pelosi Act coming to a city near you. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And it is I, Harry Hurley, with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. And we have a bunch of them. Uh, wonderful seafood, in particular crabs, all different varieties that are available in the Atlantic City area. We have the story. Also, just published about an hour ago, a New Jersey high school graduate makes the world's most watched movie. Check that out. And it's sugaring season at Stock. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro. Here we go, another messy, stormy weather day, starting with snow and rain showers creeping in this morning. Then it's all rain for South Jersey from midday into this afternoon, becoming steady, if not heavy at times. Temperatures go from 40s this afternoon, 50s late tonight. Rainy, stormy weather will continue tonight, wrapping up between midnight and daybreak. Partly sunny, windy tomorrow, high 48. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Jackson Hewitt. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Download every Hurley in the Morning program as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you very much. At 34 minutes past the hour, just a reminder, open forum coming up right after 7. And then that's for the first half of the next hour. Then we have Larry Sieg, the president of Visit Atlantic City, no longer Meet AC. See, Meet AC, uh, I never liked it, never got it, like the people a whole lot, but never got it. Uh, I think it's confusing. Uh, I don't know why it was ever called that. When, Whenever you have, think about it, when your job is you're promoting basically the convention center, Atlantic City and all that, imagine uh, you have to explain Hey, this is Harry Hurley from Meet AC. Uh, Meet AC? What is, oh, yeah, Meet AC. We're, well, it's, it's like your visitor's bureau. Oh, why didn't you say that? Uh, so it's just confusing. It, it, it's, really, it's really time. Uh, and I like, I like, oh, I just got it. If you heard that big, bing, it's Fox News sending me an update. Uh Democrats are going crazy over the Pelosi Act. <laughs> so, so you know, bullseye, perfect center cut red bullseye. If you've got the Democrats going crazy 
Why, why would they go crazy? Just vote yes. What, do you think you should be able to vote on insider information and trade? We have to get public service back to being public service and not what they've turned it into. Al Gore comes in, barely a millionaire, is worth $300 million today. How'd that happen? So anyhow, so we're going to be talking about with Larry and at 735 about the, um, the rebranding from Meet AC to visit Atlantic City. And that makes sense. You don't have to explain that. If you say, hey, I'm Larry from Visit Atlantic City, that's self-evident. And that's excellent. I think that's well done in terms of picking a name that is just readily understandable. You, you don't want to be in the business of ever being in marketing and your very brand itself is ambiguous or confusing. That, that just doesn't, that doesn't make sense. So that's good, good course correction. Jim Curcio in the 8 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. John Walters, all about reverse mortgages. John's helping a lot of people. And I said this um, in the run-up to 2023. I believe there will be a lot of people that will need to take a reverse mortgage in 2023. Everything, I don't care what you're hearing about, inflation is coming down. Nothing's coming down. They're lying about everything. You know you know that everything continues to be way up. Now it's eggs. I mean, my God, they were they were having uh, illegal contraband eggs coming in over the border, which is illegal, by the way. They cracked down on that, pun intended. They cracked, you know, what do they say? You can't make scrambled eggs without breaking a few eggs. They crack down on that, but they won't crack down on illegals. They're funny, aren't they? Their priorities are just sick. Democrats are also going crazy over Speaker McCarthy not allowing Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell to be on the powerful intelligence committee. Well, number one, Eric Swalwell was very, very personally, closely involved with a Chinese spy. For some reason, I never forget her name, Fang Fang. I guess that's memorable. I call my son Noah and I call Noah my son's name, but I don't forget Fang Fang. So what can I tell you? But Adam Schiff, he absolutely has no business being on the Intelligence Committee after the way that he conducted himself for many, many years, this dishonest man and Eric Swalwell. I mean, come on. So House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries going crazy that they're imminently qualified and, you know, that breaking you're breaking tradition. Oh, oh, you mean like when Nancy Pelosi didn't allow Jim Jordan, I forget who the other Republican was supposed to be, uh, Two, two Republicans are going to get on the January 6th committee, the bipartisan January 6th committee. And they they didn't get to be on it. That's never been done before. If you're going to form a bipartisan committee that is all Democrats and two Republicans and the Republicans can't pick 
you get to pick two, two Trump haters and then you get to brag and the media continue to report about the bipartisan January 6th committee made up of Democrats and Republicans. I mean, come on. The dishonesty is just unbelievable. So no, no Schiff and no Swalwell. And there were people that thought that he would cave. I didn't think he would. Why? Why would he? And when we come back from the break, I want to share something with you that just to give you an idea how my my brain functions, I can see a headline. And when I read it, I immediately know the angle and I can't explain it. it it's just a it's a knack that I have. I can read right into it, right through it, and I can also immediately come to a determination about how this type of article didn't appear before and why does it appear now. So I see this morning at about – it's a Yahoo news story. See, I I look all over the place. I'm I'm not just looking at one set of facts. I'm looking all over. And I know garbage when I see it, and this is garbage. But it's the, the headline is classified documents have caused headaches for many presidents. Now, I'm thinking about how until Joe Biden had all these documents raining out of the sky, classified documents. And now let me tell you something. I know the game is rigged, and I know as president he can't be charged. So he's going to get away with it. But the facts, if they were allowed to proceed – he would be in so much trouble as a senator taking classified documents. Oh, it's very, very serious. I mean, you have to, to view the documents that he had in his um, crackhead son's garage because he pays like $50,000 a month. Hey, did you ever charge your son $50,000 a month to live? I mean, these, these Bidens are so corrupt. It's unbelievable. $50,000 a month to, to live at that house. Where in the garage were the classified documents? I mean, you can't you can't make it up. I'm serious. It's 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 beyond surreal. Biden would have a big problem because he took those documents out of there. He's never they're never they're gonna, I always leave it ambiguous. He does. He's surprised. He doesn't know how they got there. They're in your home. They're in your office. They're in the house. They're in the garage. And, and look, there's 1,850 boxes at the Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania. How can the FBI have not raided that? Would anybody like to bet me uh, an infinite number of pizzas? Eric, are you listening? Because Eric owes me, owes me four just this week. I'm going to have pizzas for 10 generations. I guarantee you there's classified documents in those 1,850 boxes. There has to be. We're talking about Joe Biden. They don't want to go there? Are they going to go to the other house and go see what's in there? Or did Joe Biden get in there already and scrub it? Because they were at the other house while he's at the other house. It's, uh, it's, it's really bad. But anyhow, when I saw this headline, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, it's, a, it's 10 pages to print this article. It's in my hand. I didn't read it. I read about a hundred words of it. The headline classified documents have caused headaches for many presidents. 
just burn my belly. And here's why. When Trump had the classified documents, they made it the most one-of-a-kind, never-happened-in-the-history-of-the-republic, rained hell on him, the whole raid, the whole bit. Now, because Biden has confidential, secret documents, some at the highest level, now classified documents have caused headaches for many presidents. This is the way they do it. And now with the Pence revelation that Mike Pence has come out and said that he found 12 documents that are classified, then the media will just make it look like, ah, it's nothing now. Everybody, everybody does it. And we, we, let's go check Bush. Let's go check Obama. And let's go check everybody. Cheney. Everybody does it. So now it was so criminal and one of a kind when it was Trump. But to get Joe Biden's ass out of hot water, now it's just raining classified documents. I know how they work. They're so easy, easy to predict, easy to follow. So this is the game and this is the way they play it. They're dirty, filthy as it gets. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. For complete contest rules, visit WPGTalkRadio.com. Thank you. It's 51 minutes past the hour. And in keeping with this bizarro world that we live in, quote, decisions are imminent, end quote, on criminal charges against President Trump. And they're going to try to charge others, maybe Giuliani and, and others. They, they have weaponized, the Democrats have weaponized at all levels, local, county, state, and federal. So, for example, if a conservative either is exonerated or gets pardoned or has a sentence commuted or in some way, it, it's even still happening to General Flynn. There's someone trying to still charge General Flynn. Remember that crazy judge that after President Trump pardoned him, wouldn't dismiss the charges? I'm still reviewing. What are you reviewing? They don't exist. You're a federal judge. The, the president has pardoned the individual. You, you, have, you have no basis. They don't care. Judges aren't judges anymore. Look, there are many good ones. But I'm talking about the bad ones. Unfortunately, I don't have time to talk about the good ones because there are many. But the bad ones are very bad and they're very political. So you have, for example, uh, Manafort uh, had his federal charges. He was pardoned. So they, they're gone and he was free. Then they charge him. The Democrats, you got to call them what they are. This is not this is not justice. The Democrats at the state level charged him with the same thing and they put him back in jail. They never I keep telling you and and I've been proven right about this. I said that President Trump will be under investigation for the rest of his life. And I know that's true. And his family, for that matter. So imagine this special grand jury uh, that had no power to indict, 
but they can recommend. There's some report that, that a judge is trying to release. It's being held up uh, for a period of time, but it'll it'll come out. And remember, even when something is it can't come out, they the Democrats leak it anyhow. How did that how did photos of documents all positioned on the floor that never were like that? How did that get out? But we don't have any pictures of Biden's documents, do we? You understand what I'm saying? Do I know what I'm talking about? Am I making this up or is this really the way that it is? And I think, you know, the answer. This is the way that it is. If you're a Democrat, either nothing happens or if it's so bad, like Hunter Biden's been under investigation for years. It's so bad. They can't just make it go away. But you'll see. There's a thing called TCO taken care of. He'll be TCO'd. And they'll just keep delaying and delaying and delaying so that eventually his father will be able to pardon him. And then I promise you, there won't be any state charges or county or local charges. He'll just get away with it because that's the game. That's the way it is right now. Democrats can do anything. Republicans, you get crushed. So I'm telling you in advance, be prepared. President Trump, and I've been telling you this all along, President Trump is going to be criminally charged in this Georgia uh, case. The Fulton County DA is a rabid Democrat. And uh, get ready for it, because I'm telling you it's coming. There's no doubt in my mind that it's coming. Let me uh, bring up something that shouldn't be controversial, but of course, the Democrats make everything racial. So Governor DeSantis came out and said, hey, look, um, I'm all for advanced placement teachings about African-American studies. What I'm not in favor of is this radical indoctrination stuff. And Governor DeSantis said that the African-American advanced placement studies pilot program has been rejected by the state. And you had the view women going bananas about racism, racism. Uh, It's not racism. It's the indoctrination. It's the the woke factor. And I saw a flowchart that I actually took notes about yesterday. And it's it's so correct. Hope I can find it here quick in the H phone. Uh, boy, I'll tell you, I put so many things in this phone that it's not always easy. Ah, oh, where is it? I should be able to find it quickly. Hold on. Yeah, here it is. Okay. This was on Twitter. I saw it on Fox News, and I took a screen capture. It's titled, If a White Person. And it, what it means is if a white person does this. And there's all these boxes. If a white person moves out, it's white flight. If a white person moves in, it's gentrification. If a white person sees color, it's racism. If a white person doesn't see color, they're ignoring racism. And then it is racism. If a white person doesn't partake in culture, they're not inclusive. If a white person engages in culture, 
It's cultural appropriation. So you understand no truer organization chart has ever been written. They're making the game that you are just a racist. And if you don't know you're a racist, you are really, really, really a racist. But don't worry. Robert Byrd wasn't a racist, though. He was just a Grand Clego in the KKK. All right. He wasn't a racist, though. And he deserved the 98% of the African-American vote that he would get every single election. But this is true. Whoever did it, I don't know who gets credit for it. Whoever did this flow chart, they're absolutely correct. And it's, it's basically the Star Trek Kobayashi Maru. It's the no-win scenario. You are to be tied up in knots where you can't, you're just, you'll be stuttering, blah, 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 blah babbling. You, you, you don't know what you can say. They want to make it that no matter what you say, you're a racist. If you don't say it, you're a racist. If you say something, you're a racist. They make it that there's no way out. There's nothing you can do. And I urge you. It's one of the most empowering things of my lifetime. I decided a long, long time ago that I know what I am and I know what I'm not. And I'm not going to let anybody box me in that I can't speak the truth that I can't be me, that I can't be the person I was raised to be by my parents for fear that someone is going to call me a name that I'm not. Don't let them get away with that. Don't let them get away with if you say nothing, you're a racist. If you say something, you're a racist. If you don't believe in this, you're a racist. But if you do believe in it, then it's cultural appropriation. They want to make it that they got you covered every bet, every corner. It's a parlay bet. And no matter how it turns out, they win, you lose. Don't let that be the way. I urge you to not let them put you in that no-win scenario. 609-407-1450. If I've said anything this hour that I hope you remember, I hope it's the last couple of minutes. 609-407-1450. Phone lines are open right now. It is the Hurley in the Morning program. Proud to be a part of South Jersey's Number one news talk radio station, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. You did it again. Just came out. And you did it before that. And you did it before that. And we can't thank you enough. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. It's six minutes past the hour. As promised, right to your phone calls we go. Bottom of the hour after the bottom of the hour break at 735. Larry Sieg, the president of Visit Atlantic City, will be our guest. Jim Curcio, Atlantic County surrogate in the 8 o'clock hour. John Walters, all about reverse mortgages. In today's final hour, one open phone line. That's it. Let's make it count. Open forum the way that uh, we love it uh, here on the Hurley in the Morning program. Your calls one after the other at 609-407-1450. Let's say good morning to Tom. Hello there, Tom. Good morning, Harry. <clears throat> Quick question. If um, 
President Trump is indicted in in Georgia, I guess they would attempt to have the trial before the election. And, and if they do find him guilty, or even if they were to negotiate it down there, my question to you is, would any conviction preclude him from um, running or having to drop out for the um, presidency? Yeah, that's the whole point. It would depend what it was. If it's a misdemeanor, no. If it's at a certain level, yes. But I want to share with you, Tom, this is a very wide um, ranging scheme that's being perpetrated. You have other states that are going to try to enact laws that if you stand criminally charged or if you have been convicted, you cannot appear on the ballot in our state. So even if he is eligible to run, they're trying to knock him out in every dirty way that they can. They're actually trying to keep him off the Georgia ballot. They're trying to do something where he wouldn't be able to be on the ballot. And there's a state. Look, if you kept Trump off in California, uh, it would hurt down ballot. Uh, It wouldn't matter to him. He's going to lose the state anyhow. But they're trying to knock him out any which way they can. They're evil. Right. Okay. So, I mean, that's that was just there. So, um, and, and that's the whole point. They're not just charging him for fun. Uh, they want to knock him out. That's what this is all about. So the calculus of the Republicans of, you know, of who they're going to run, I mean, that it, it takes a lot into consideration of what's going to, I mean, it. It's really a complicated um, scheme of, you know, what the Republicans are going to do. Well, listen, Tom, it's what Democrats try to do. They try to pick their nominee and they try to pick your nominee. They don't want Trump to be the nominee. They didn't want him to continue as the president, as you well know. So this is just furthering and continuing with that scheme. Okay. Well, I just wanted to to clarify that. So, uh, because I had had heard that if you have an indictment, the state could – um, not allow you to be on their ballot. That's yeah. That's 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 what, I, that's what you just yeah. what confirmed to me. I, did, I yeah. wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So they could cherry pick the states because we, you know, the Republicans really need Georgia and they need some of these swing states there. So that that's really you know unprecedented stuff there. So thanks a lot for you're welcome keeping me informed. Of thanks, that. Tom. Thank you. Bye. See you, my friend. Six zero nine four zero seven fourteen fifty. This is the pure evil that we're talking about. And this is this is how they work. I'm telling you, they never take a day off. And and think about this. They do usually their worst stuff at around Christmas and other high holy days and other holidays. I mean, this is how they operate. They put that boondoggle in effect on the day before Christmas. Look how uh, Obamacare day before Christmas. They're they're so predictable, but they get away with it. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. Yes, good morning. It was Dr. King that said, don't judge a person by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now, it was actually uh, Farad Muhammad, or Muhammad Fard, who had brought his weird version of Islam over to America. He was from the Middle East, and he actually, his first convert was Elijah Paul, a.k.a. Elijah Muhammad, that deemed that all white people were devils. Now, if you look at the history of their first battle, of Muhammad's first battle, was actually a massacre that was rich Jews. And if we were to judge them by the content of their character, they were just good with money. And it, they had the choice of either accepting Allah's apostle, which is Muhammad, or paying the Jesuit attacks. They refused to do either. So we already given charity, so we don't need to accept your God or 
We don't accept you as a prophet. We follow a different religion than that. So they were driven out of Medina, the city of Medina, and they traveled 95 miles north to a swamp called Kaibar, and they turned it into a thriving oasis. Then Muhammad got wind of that. He took the treasurer of that town called uh, Kinana and built the makings of a campfire on, on his chest and says, I can like this or not like this, depending on whether you're going to tell me where your treasure is, and he refused to, so he was tortured to death. Now, he was married to a beautiful Arabian Jewess named uh, Safiya, and Safiya sees her husband being tortured to death. Her father-in-law, who I charged Muhammad, Muhammad cut him down. So this woman sees her whole family killed in front of her, and then Muhammad, to make it halal, clean, he marries he marries her and then, has, and then rapes her in a tent nearby. This, this is all true because now the whole thing is with Islam. If you don't accept the law as apostle Muhammad or pay the tax, then anything goes. Whatever happens to you is on you. So that's the type of person that he was, whether whether we, people want to hear it or not. But now we have people that call themselves Muhammad that have deemed us white devils. So when does the madness end? I, I, I guess it, it ends when, in, when real history is being taught and when, when the truth comes out. It actually, it's not a person's skin color that determines on whether you're evil or not. It depends on the individual. So we have, we have a beautiful constitution that puts any constitution of the world to shame. And, and we could all work our differences out. But see, that, that crowd that never lets a good crisis go to waste will never allow us to unite because that's the secret that the... That's it. I got to run because I'm going to get as many calls as we can in the first segment because that's all we have today, Flash. But you're right. And we talk about that a lot. That is their secret sauce. You got it right there. Anytime. Oh, well, look, here's the latest example. The Democrats, and you're going to hear about it starting today, they're making another grab for the guns. They hate the First Amendment. They can't defeat the First Amendment. So then they bought up all the ammunition. They try if they can't if they can't absolutely stop you, they find ways to put roadblocks until such time that they can make the radical change that they're hoping to make. Very, very predictable each and every time if there's a if there is a horrible tragedy babies toddlers children adults whatever being massacred they're not like you they're not focusing on bereavement and your heart's broken and you grieve as a fellow american and you grieve for the families that have experienced impossible loss and pain they are scheming at that very moment that you are at a low point they are scheming how they can change some societal norm, how to radicalize, how to get away with one more departure from our civil liberties. This is how they operate, and we have to stop them. We must stop them. Let me get the, uh, the break in, and we're going to come right back to your calls. Please don't go away. Approaching 15 minutes past the hour on the Hurley of the Morning program. Here's my friend, Sean Hannity. Your morning cup of Sean. This is the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. Biden touting the gas price drop as Americans now struggle to make ends meet. Well, we have a little problem. Gas prices are going up and they're going up dramatically. You know, Karine Jean-Pierre actually went out and said yesterday that, you know, as America, that Republicans want to raise gas prices. I mean, are you kidding me? Show me the evidence that backs that up. As you are tracking this week, House Republicans will vote to raise gas prices on American families. The contrast in priorities. No, the guy that just raised the price and taxed gas, oil, and, and coal was Joe Biden. 
The guy that just implemented the law to tax your pensions is Joe Biden. The conservative underground meets later today on the Sean Hannity Show. This is an important notice to consumers facing $10,000 or more in credit card debt, medical bills, or other unsecured debt. You may not be required to pay it all back because there are special programs now in effect that will significantly reduce the amount you will owe if you qualify. This is not bankruptcy or a debt consolidation loan. These programs, which the credit card companies like to keep secret, exist to aid American consumers struggling with overwhelming credit card debt by offering tremendous savings and real debt relief. Accredited Debt Relief has established a special hotline for you to call and learn what savings you qualify for. They've helped qualify consumers with over a billion dollars in debt and are A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. So don't wait. Get the relief you need during these hard economic times. For this free information, call the Accredited Debt Relief Hotline now. Call 800-885-5700. 800-885-5700. That's 800-885-5700. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and the WPG Talk Radio app. Thank you. Let's make it count 10 minutes before the bottom of the hour. So let's take as many calls as we can in that time frame. 609 609- 407-1451, open phone line, and we welcome you to the Hurley in the Morning program. Hi there. It's a wonderful day in Franklinville, New Jersey. Oh, I like what uh, you're doing. I like what you're doing. <laughs> now, I have three things to bring up. Two of them are t- together, but I'm going to go with your favorite. The praise of the Atlantic City mayor and the wonderful job he's done as according to the... To the um, Atlantic City, the press newspaper. Did now I'm not a reader. Uh, did they actually do that? The the press of Atlantic City is praising him. Is that... Oh yeah, he did a wonderful job. And okay, so oh, that's one. The, okay. two, the, the next two are tied together. Okay, Senator Testa is going to have to get on this name change that they want to do for high school diplomas. So if a kid wants to put the, a kid by the name of uh, let's say Stefan wants to change his name because he's uh, of the uh, of the uh, Rainbow Coalition. He wants to be Steffi. That'll be on his diploma. Now, that's going to go down, and all these uh, state legislatures are, are backing it. That's, that's on it. So Testa's got to get on a ball and do something, at least bring it to the bring it to the force so we can all hear about it. Now, the next thing, which is tied into that, which is, I believe, here in Upper Township, we had a superintendent that resigned at the beginning of the year. All kinds of things about why he did it. But I think it's connected with what the state education department is doing. It's just a theory. I don't know that for facts. But you had a, super, a school administrator from uh, Lower Township, I believe, during the pandemic. They used to call in all the time. I think he retired also. I, and I have an, Bob Garjulo. An idea. Yeah, and I believe that's another reason why he did not want to deal with the state garbage. So those are the three things I'm bringing up. Your comments. Uh, my comments are, uh, Test is the kind of guy that will take up the one item that you mentioned about the diploma situation uh, on the Atlantic City thing. I mean, I know what that is. Uh, they're not, they can't stay in business uh, unless they get the uh, classified ad stuff. So that's, that, to me, that, that's uh, self-evident. Uh, and I think pithy uh, enough, I think I covered all of it 
in that quick drive-by. Uh, I appreciate your call. We'll talk longer next time. I want to get as many as we can in before we run out of time, and thank you for checking in. I'll let Testa know that you called. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Harry. It's a great day in Brigantine. I love it. Except uh, I don't like what they're talking about doing with the circle, but I have to get more information. I just heard that on your news, but that's not why I called. (laughs) So uh, I have this funny feeling that going forward, uh, magically and suddenly classified documents are going to be found in the homes of every uh, politician who is a potential 2024 presidential candidate, particularly those the Democrats hate and do not want to run and who are the biggest threat to them retaining the White House in 2024. And that would include Democrats like Joe Biden. Um, And and Andy, never uh, lose sight. I know Andy hasn't. Anyone listening, the Democrats did Joe Biden in. They could have got away. Uh, They were keeping it a secret. The classified documents were found before the election. Never got out. Democrats did Joe Biden in on the classified documents because he served his purpose. He was the way they could get rid of Trump. They don't want him in there. Uh, and you, you're nonpartisan in your approach here because if, if you are a Democrat that they don't want, they could do this to you. If you're a Republican, they can do it to you. So people are going to have to be very, very careful or stuff is going to just start popping up then Joy Behag will turn out to be right. Oh, I think they put them there. Uh, but I think, I think though, those that have them have them. Those that don't, it's not going to be manufactured. No, but my feeling is they know who has them, but the only ones that will be, quote, discovered are, are those that would be in those homes. You follow me? I uh, Now I do, and I agree with that. Correct. They'll go. In other words, they'll go after whoever they want to go after. I mean, look, Hunter Biden should have had a gun uh, charge. They dumped a gun. Think about this. That gun could have killed somebody. They dumped a gun in a dumpster. Nothing happened. Uh, He lied on his um, uh, federal firearms form uh, about things. Uh, Also put his address as that Wilmington house with all the classified documents uh, as the owner of the house. And in other documents, he's $50,000 a month uh, renter. I mean, they're so corrupt. They're so dishonest. It's unbelievable. Right. Now, as far as uh, Newsmax, Harry, you know, the Democrats keep using this word um, democracy. And we've heard them use this word suddenly in recent years as frequently as they can. They're defending democracy. They're protecting democracy. They also call Ukraine a democracy. And in Ukraine, a democracy democracy is when Zelensky can shut down television stations that don't put the news out the way he wants it to be put out. And that's what's happening here now. So they want democracy, but they want democracy the way Vladimir Zelensky sees democracy, not the democracy that you and I knew growing up. Okay, so it's no different. By by the way, let me make sure everybody knows what Andy's referring to about Newsmax. I shared in my opening monologue that as early as today, Newsmax uh, is going to be taken off the air by AT&T DirecTV. uh, And and it's one of their most profitable stations. 
They're keeping less profitable stations. Of course, they're liberal stations. They're getting rid of Newsmax. They say Oan and now Newsmax, huh? They get rid of both of them because they say it's cost cutting. How do you how do you take profitable partners and and save from cutting? Uh, so we know what the game is. That's there's three conservative television possibilities. They're carving out two of them everywhere they can. Yes. Now they would. The Democrats would have us believe. The left would have us believe that most of the country is with them, agrees with them, agrees with their uh, view of of their worldview and the, and the policies they're they're putting forth, and if that and their ideas. If that were true, they would want our ideas to be put forth because they claim our ideas are ridiculous. So if you're in a debate and you know that the other guy is ridiculous, an idiot, cannot possibly win, like Donald Trump, for example, this is precisely the person you would want to debate. You'd want him to get up on that stage and make a fool of himself and spew his ideas. The fact that they would hide, prevent our ideas and our policies from being put forth on television is proof that their ideas are not what most of the country wants. But as you know, all that's true. But it's as simple as this. They want to knock out opposing views. They want to criminalize free speech and make it criminal activity. They want to knock out any radio or TV or anything that's not of their liking. It's a very, very dangerous time in American history. Uh, I hope someone's recording history and that it will be accurately reported and that we that this is a chapter that we emerge from and it ended. Uh, I don't know. We don't know how it's going to end. They're getting away with an awful lot. Andy, I've got to run. I've got a guest that's coming by in a break that I have to get in. It's Harry Hurley for United Methodist Communities at the Shores in Ocean City, uh, advising you that Tuesday, January 31st, so six days from today, from 10 a.m. to 12 noon, National Memory Screening Day, in effect, give your brain a checkup, enjoy healthy snacks while the Shores professional staff provide you with a free memory screening. If you're considering senior living options for yourself or a loved one, I recommend the Shores. Transitioning to the Shores is easy. Move in and experience the abundant life. The Shores is fully remodeled with private apartments, two beautiful restaurants, a bistro, an on-site fitness center, and transportation to local shopping. Best of all, it's just three short blocks to the Ocean City Boardwalk and Beach. Join the Shores for this free community event National Memory Screening Day, January 31st, this Tuesday, from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Healthy snacks and free memory screenings. They're at 2201 Bay Avenue in Ocean City. It's a beautiful, beautiful facility. To RSVP, call Michelle at 609-399-8505. That's 609-399-8505. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And this is Harry Hurley at just about 31 minutes past the hour with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Uh, I can tell you the flags will be flying at half staff for the iconic Philadelphia and Atlantic City DJ, Jerry Blavitt. Check that out. A New Jersey high school graduate 
made the world's most watched movie. See who that is. And wonderful seafood. A variety of different crabs available right here in the Atlantic City area. From the Townsquare, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. About 300 miles north of us, a foot of snow in the forecast today. Here in South Jersey, another soggy, stormy, super soaker day. Maybe a few snowflakes flying around. Best chance for that will be early on. By this afternoon, just wet. Steady to heavy rain lasting from this afternoon through late tonight with rumbles of thunder and gusty winds. This storm system will wrap up early tomorrow morning. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Milk. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you very much. Welcome back. 35 minutes past the hour. A pleasure to welcome back to Hurley in the Morning a good friend. He's the president, I have to say it right, the president of Visit Atlantic City, formerly Meet AC. Uh, somehow, Larry, I don't think you're going to have to explain. Well, well, let's visit Atlantic City. Oh, well, we used to be Meet AC. Well, what's Meet AC? Anyhow, Larry, welcome. How you doing? Oh, thank you, Harry. Good morning. Always nice to be on your show. Pleasure to have you here. So this is, I think, a big deal. I, you know, I always felt that Meet AC was ambiguous. And whenever you have to, what's the expression? If you're explaining, you're losing. So I think this brings clarity I think it's uh, a smart change. Tell us about the genesis behind it all. Well, actually, um, it's been three years in the making. I've been working on this and trying to get uh, Meet AC uh, the name changed. Because, as you know, Harry, outside of the region, the initials AC doesn't mean anything to anybody in Chicago or, you know, in the Carolinas. I mean, it's really a regional thing. So it's really important that we went through this process and, you know, this was not done quickly. This was, this took over a year to actually go through um, the rebranding phases and research development, focus groups, those kinds of things to find out exactly just what we needed to do and made sure that we did it right. So um, in order for us to be competitive in the meetings and conventions industry across the United States with these trade shows, you know, we are, we are competing against the likes of Visit Baltimore, Choose Chicago, Discover This, Be This, Visit This. So it's imperative that when somebody comes up or sees a trade show booth and they're coming down, I go, oh, there's Atlantic City. Because if it just says Meet AC, what does it mean? Exactly. So that's, that, that's the genesis of, you know, why it was done. That's uh, it's huge. It's, it's, it's a big move. It's an important move. And the launch took place. Um, you took the occasion of the annual meeting where you discuss, you know, all the things that your organization has done uh, in the previous year to also launch and, and rebrand and the website as well. So it's now officially Visit Atlantic City, correct? Yes. Yes, it is officially visit Atlantic City. But you know, I also just want to say one other thing because, um, and I made this I made this very clear when we had the annual review and the relaunch or the launch uh, breakfast because um, there was a little bit of confusion, a little bit of misunderstanding. After we did not rebrand Atlantic City, we did not rebrand a destination. We re- we rebranded our organization 
So the destination could compete in a level playing field with all the other destinations. Because as we know, coming out of the pandemic, the, the fight for the dollar is, is, is more intense than it ever was, especially in our industry. And Larry, this is very important you're bringing this up. And for the first time, I'll make a comment. I wrote a piece uh, that I thought was very, very clear that it was Meet AC rebranding itself as the organization that markets the Atlantic City Convention Center to become Visit Atlantic City. And I can tell you, we we do not give away our station analytics, which are proprietary. But the article that I wrote uh, you'd be very proud in your position as president how many eyeballs I can prove read that article. And there were people, I saw the comments. I don't think it was the, the vast majority, but there were people saying, oh, you're rebranding all of Atlantic City. It never said that, but there were people that did take it that way. This is a rebranding of your organization, the marketing organization. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and and we are working very closely, you know, because it's, it's important to note, too, that three of my board members, so it's almost the majority of my, my board members, are part of the Casino Reinvestment Development Authority, which funds us. And, you know, as you know, the, the CRGA uh, still handles the leisure marketing uh, in the destination. So um, they certainly uh, saw our brand, approved our brand, really, really liked um, the process that we went through. And so we're going to be working very closely on seeing what we can do to kind of bring that all back together um, in one, because it's really important that we go out with one cohesive message um, for the destination and not multiple messages. I totally agree. I hope it happens. It's it seems like a natural that it should happen, and hopefully the decision decision makers with the authority to do that uh, agree with your vision on that because that's not um, that's no small matter. That that would be I think a uh, very very strong mm-hmm. move to do that. Let's do this real quick. Uh, then I got to get a break in real mm-hmm. quick, and then we'll have about ten minutes uh, to to finish up okay. with Larry Sieg, who is the president of Visit Atlantic City, formerly Meet AC. I agree with everything that you said relative to the change and why and 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 why that positions you the way that it does. Give us a good minute or two on 2022, the impact uh, relative to your areas of responsibility. It was a pretty big year, wasn't it? It was. It was a. It was really a great year for our organization. Um, you know, we we saw that after the last twenty four months they, that we've gone through, the the demand for in person meetings again is 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 incredible. It's better than it's ever been. You know, we're at a point now where we're almost exceeding, and I believe we will exceed uh, twenty nineteen numbers. Now in um, in twenty twenty, we did over we did two hundred and nine events in the destination, both in the convention center and, um, of course, our hotel partners. Interruption just for, um, the, I think, point of emphasis. You're not just picking a year 2019 out of the sky. You're talking about exceeding pre-pandemic levels. Right. I mean, you know, we have to use we have to use 2019 as a benchmark, you know, uh, regardless of what 2020 and 2021 did, which, to be frank, um, we're not all that bad for us be honest with you. I mean, 2020 um, was because of our location 
and our and the outdoors and the beach and the ocean. You know, we were still able to do a lot of sporting events in 2020 because you could social distance and it really wasn't an issue. And so then going into 21, it got a little bit better. But in 22, it really started coming back full circle. So with the 209 events, you know, we, we, we brought in over uh, 462,000 room nights to Atlantic City. I mean, think about that, 462,000 room nights mm. we booked um, in 2022. Almost a half a million people uh, into um, the convention center and, uh, and, and our non-casino hotel properties. And $300 million, over $300 million in economic impact to the destination. But I think that the, the key takeaway to 2022 was, and it's the smallest number that I had in my presentation, but the greatest impact. And that's the fact for every dollar that... Uh, Meet AC, of course, at the time, and now visit Atlantic City spends on marketing and sales efforts. We return thirty-four dollars into the economy. Wow, that's the key. I think that's the key takeaway. That is beautiful. Let's get the break in. We're going to come right back. We'll have ten minutes uninterrupted with Larry Sieg on deck, joining us in just a little bit. After Larry, Jim Curcio, Atlantic County surrogate, and then our good friend John Walters in the nine o'clock hour, all about reverse mortgages. Larry Sieg is here. He is the president of Visit Atlantic City. This is the Hurley in the Morning program on South Jersey's number one news talk radio station, all because of you. Uh, just been newly minted yet again. So that's again and again and again that you've done that. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. January in South Jersey. The windshield could be zero, or you could be walking on the boardwalk in just a sweatshirt. The sun could be shining, or you could be shoveling a foot of snow. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 is South Jersey's official winter weather station. Count on meteorologist Dan Zero and the team of weather experts at AccuWeather to keep you ahead of Mother Nature this winter. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's official winter weather station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome back. It is exactly 10 minutes before the top of the hour. We're visiting with Larry Sieg, who is the president of Visit Atlantic City. Larry, give us a little window into the uh, year 2023, which it's hard to believe. Almost one-twelfth of it is already over. What are your thoughts? What are your hopes about 2023? Well, we're we're extremely excited, you know, um, for 2023, we have a lot of great, uh, great events coming up um, that have, you know, become annual events, which I'm really proud of. Like um, we have, well, right now the Northeast Pool and Spa Show is in the building uh, in the convention center, and it is the largest uh, attendance that they've ever had in the history of their um, their trade show, as well as the number of exhibitors uh, booths in the convention center for them. Wow. So. Excited about that. Excited about to bring JJ Fish, JJ Fish back. Uh, you know, week back with um, Jimmy Johnson and uh, his team that do such a great job with the fishing tournament um, here in July, uh, and we're in the third year now. Larry, that's become a really big deal, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in the third year of that event now. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because even in 2022, with the inflated prices you know, gas and, and things like that. I mean, they had hoped originally for a hundred boats. And then of course, when, uh, the inflation, uh, happened, uh, but they were still able to get 85 boats. And people have to remember that, 
you know, it cost it, it costs close to seventy six hundred dollars a day to take that to take a boat out and, and fishing. So they're buying, you know, like one point five million dollars in gas while they're here from the local marinas. So that's a great uh, a, a great economic boost uh, for them. Also, we hosted and we'll be hosting again this September. Um, the Atlantic City U.S. Open, which is the world's largest indoor pickleball tournament, and pickleball has just taken the world by storm. Um, I know that I, I I play it quite often now um, instead of golf, and um, so we're excited to have that back in in July. And of course, you know we're really pleased to still be the title sponsor. Although this year it will be called the Visit Atlantic City Air Show instead of Meet AC Air Show. So, <laughs> and I think I think that rolls off the tongue better anyway. It does. Atlantic City Air Show. It does. So. Excited about that to work with Mike, Michael Che, president of the, you know, the LA Chamber and his team uh, to do another, well, another spectacular event and something that, you know, is near and dear to your heart because you basically are, you're there all day just like we are. Yep. So Love it. No, uh, there's no question yeah. the largest midweek air show in American history. I want to go back to last year only because I know they won't be here this year because of the nature of how they do it. I, I, I have every belief they're going to come back. Uh, because it was so successful. The Sports Collector Show was one of the most successful shows in Atlantic City history, wasn't it? And it was the most successful show in their history as well. Wow. Um, Even better. More than than 70,000 people walked through that show. It It was literally insane every day in the convention center. Um, but it was it was incredible. Matter of fact, I have a um, I have a meeting with those folks today um, to talk about bringing another incredible event uh, to the convention center. So stay tuned for that. But I also wanted to go back to last year too and just mention um, one thing, and that is, you know, the opportunity that we had to host the 113th National NAACP convention. You know, that really put us on a different map, if you will, in the meetings and conventions industry, because we pulled that off without any issues whatsoever. We had 9,000 people come through here. You know, we did uh, um, shuttles from Philadelphia Airport, Atlantic City Airport, wherever we needed to pick people up. Um, It brought millions of dollars of economic impact into the destination, and we received $1.5 billion, that's with a B, impression media impressions for hosting this event you can't buy that kind of advertising no you so, can't that's what they call in the business earned that's advertising. earned advertising as opposed to paid advertising and the earned advertising has much more reach as you well know in your position as president the other thing about that that was huge was i wrote several pieces in the run-up to that because it was the biggest convention as i was calling it since the 1964 Democratic Convention, which obviously went just horrifically bad. I'm not aware of any negative coverage that Atlantic City got over the, and the vice president was here, many other aspects to this, there were many layers and textures to it. There was no bad service execution in 64. They put the media in substandard rooms. They had paper towels and not cloth bathing towels. I mean, you talk about one disaster after another, and that smoked Atlantic City until the advent of casino gaming. It was the biggest high-profile type event since then, and your organization pulled it off 
I mean, in total exemplary fashion. You must have been very proud about that. Absolutely. And, you know, it was an entire team effort, entire committee. We worked closely and we were closer with the city and police and fire. And, you know, my vice president of sales, Sandy Harvey, just did an amazing job. It took five. It took five years. People, I don't think people realize that to put this conference on. We were awarded five. We were awarded that conference five years before it took place. And that's how long it takes to put thing of that magnitude together. Yeah, I don't think many people listening uh, knew that until you just said it. Uh, so that's no joke. That that was um, something to be very proud of. And it, and what it does is to me, it 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 you drop the gauntlet on the country that Atlantic City mm. can handle events of any magnitude. That's a big deal. Sure, it is. And we sub- subsequently we have booked um, five pieces of business from that one that one event just like last december we had hosted the uh, december of 2021 we hosted american express uh interaction here which is their global sales um convention and we booked like four pieces of business from that so you know a lot of people just don't realize how long it takes number one how long it takes to cultivate a piece of business number two how long it takes to execute a piece of business and number three, how long it takes to close out a piece of business after it's gone. And then when you do well, how much additional business can be generated because of successfully staging an event like that? I mean, we, we've, got, um, we've got conventions, trade shows, and, um, and, and, and I should mention sporting events, too, because the Atlantic City Sports Commission, Dan Gallagher and his team, they do a great job. Um, of bringing sporting events and sports meetings to Atlantic City, so we've got we've got definite um, events on the books all the way out to twenty thirty two. Wow! So it's pretty pretty uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So there is there is a belief in Atlantic City as a true destination resort, isn't there? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Final minute. Having said that, now, when you go up against all the big dogs out there, Atlantic City shows very well, doesn't it? It does. I mean, you know, as far as the gaming destination, we're still the only gaming destination, you know, that sits on the water and the beach. So we're very fortunate. And I think the number one thing that we have going for us, too, is the proximity of where we are between New York Philadelphia, Baltimore, you know, we are, we are, and I say this every time I think I talk to you and every time I talk to anybody else, we are within one, uh, driving distance of one third of the population of the United States. Mm-hmm. One third of the population can drive here. So we are definitely, you know, we're definitely a drive market. Do we have, do we have concerns and have we always had issues with airlift? How would I love to see that, that change? Of course. Um, and we work closely with the airport and the folks that, um, you know, the South Jersey Transportation Authority just do what we can. You know, with Sun Country, you know, just uh, launched service uh, through their hub in Minneapolis. So that, you know, that certainly helps us. Uh, anything would help us like that. Um, but the fact that we are um, within driving distance is, is really um, the selling point for regional uh, meetings and associations. But we know now that we can do it on the national level as well. There's no doubt about it. Larry, we're out of time. Uh, I've been looking forward to this visit. Congratulations on all of this. Um, Meet AC is now 
Visit Atlantic City on the web at visitatlanticcity.com. Uh, Larry, we'll stay close. We'll do a lot of uh, interviews this year. It's a big year for Atlantic City. And congratulations on all your success and your team thus far. And the best is yet to come. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Larry. Good to talk to you, Larry. Thank you. Atlantic County surrogate Jim Kersey always here. He's next. G Atlantic City, WENJHD3, Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Six minutes past the hour, it's the Hurley in the Morning program. Uh, very pleased to report our esteemed Atlanta County surrogate, Jim Curcio, is here. And we're going to talk this hour about what the Atlanta County Surrogates Office has been up to, what they do, all the services that they provide. Mr. Surrogate, welcome to Hurley in the Morning. Good morning, Harry. Great Hi. to see you. It's great to see you. How are you doing? <laughs> doing great. Doing Happy New Year. Well. Thank you. Thank you. What is, uh, what's new? What's going on? Well, I, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to come in because a couple of things that... Uh, occurred to me, I wanted to get the word out to your listeners. And one thing that we've been seeing, and I wanted to remind everybody, um, when you're dealing with estate documents, uh, wills and um, um, power of attorney, and uh, you have to come into the surrogate's office with a death certificate, we, we have to have original documents. Uh, this is by law, and it's because these originals get filed uh, in as part of the county records. So I don't know if uh, your listeners are aware, but we have um, estate records that go back to 1837 that are stored in Atlantic County. And so those originals have to be produced. A lot of people come in and they don't realize they have a photocopy. So we can't help them with a photocopy of a will. Um, if, if that's all they have, then they would have to go to superior court. Oh, I, I'm in the business of having to <laughs> prove my identity. Uh, I Facebooked about this. Uh, there are times where it can be very frustrating to prove that you are who you say you are. And there are just certain things that are required to make that happen. Yeah, we, we see that all the time. So the, the, um, the tip I wanted to throw out there is um, when, when uh, you do go and get a new will or you update your will, you want to make sure you know where the original is being stored because when the time comes... Um, your family is going to need how to, to be able to access that original document or it's going to add a lot of time and expense to your process. And through no fault of, um, you know, the surrogate staff, it's, it's, they, they're dictated that they have to have originals. What, what percentage of the time do you run? And it's got to be just heartbreaking. Do you run into people that have passed and they just have no will and there's no instructions left about their wishes. You know, you're, you and your team, you're, you're very uh, skilled and talented at figuring it out. And, and the law, if there's a spouse and some things, you know, can be put together easy if you don't have a will. But it, 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 I think it's very important. Everyone listening, very dear friend of mine actually died many years ago, didn't have a will, was an attorney, by the way. Mm. Uh, that can be devastating. And then your wishes might not be carried out because you, you you know you don't have Nostradamus you know on the case. I mean, if somebody delineates 
exactly what they want, who gets what, what they want even for themselves. Some people want to be cremated. Some people want to be buried. If you don't lay all this out, then other people are making these decisions. Yes. uh, Unfortunately, at least once a day, uh, we have a a situation where someone did not have a will. Do you think it's possible that half the country does not have a will? At least. I think so. At least. And where it really is important in a in a circumstance where there's um, a married couple, it's it's less essential because the the law is very clear in in uh, trying to protect a surviving spouse. But a single individual um, really needs to have a will or things could get um, go sideways. Yeah, things could go sideways because oftentimes uh, children for example, if someone died and they had four children, there might be one child who had always stayed close to home and was the primary caregiver for their parent. And that child would autom- and even maybe had a power of attorney. And that child would automatically assume that they would be the, um, uh, the person in charge of the estate and maybe the prime beneficiary of the estate. But if there's no will, it's a four-way split because the law views all children equally. And that often comes as a surprise, an unpleasant surprise to the first one who comes into our surrogate office when we say you're going to need all your brothers and sisters to sign off in order for you to be the personal representative. Yeah, of this I, I actually know of a case where somebody uh, tried to just trick the whole thing and 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 act like they, they, they like they were the only living surviving heir. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's that's very messy and obviously very inappropriate and even criminal. Do you run into to controversies where there could be handwriting and then signature and initials and dates where things are like demonstrably important things are changed and it may benefit one person and then other people are like, hey, w- this will was always like this. When did this happen? The day before my parent died. Do you run into crazy stuff? Uh, at, at least two or three times a week. Um there are a lot of um, handwritten notes that appear on wills, and if, if how legal are they? They are not legal. They are not legal because they, in in essence, when you let's say you have a will done by in an attorney's office, or even if it's not done in an attorney's office, but it has two witnesses and a notary. When you take that will home and say, "Oh gosh, I I wanted to add one more thing," and you write a handwritten note, in essence, you've defeated the the formalities of the will. Could you do a handwritten note and date it and sign it and have witnesses and have a notary notarize the change? Yes. Well, that would be considered a codicil. That would be legal. That would be legal. That would be legal. And if it were, it's done the way you just described, the surrogate's office could accept it because it would be with two witnesses and a notary that would meet our statutory uh, requirements. Because sometimes, as you know, people change their mind. People change their mind. And, or, or think of th- something they didn't think of. But that will, once you've had it, uh, and the lawyers do a good job and from old times, uh, ancient times, of, of uh, putting a backer on it and putting in a special envelope. It's always on special paper because they, the, the idea being to preserve the formalities of the execution of that document. What you don't want to do is start scribbling on it because now you've got unwitnessed comments. And if that alters the testamentary intent, uh, then the surrogate can't accept that. It would have to go to superior court. Now, I have accepted where people I feel is within the surrogate's discretion. Um, if somebody wrote, you know, to my daughter in Boulder, Colorado, you cross that out, 
because she moved to Boise, Idaho, and it's handwritten, that's not going to the, – the probate clerk will flag that, and now, you know, the surrogate has to look at it. So right there you've lost probably at least an hour of time or – you know, but if you time. could show, hey, they were in Boise then, right. and here we have documentation, right. they're in California now, that, that, that doesn't, that's not right. fatal. That's not going to defeat the will. But if it says um, to my son Joe, $10,000, and it's crossed out, and then handwritten 5000 sorry Joe, which we had that on a will once, I can't admit that will, because I don't know who wrote that note. Does it's it stay five. as it was? Well, then, this is where we try to use some discretion to be problem solvers if the family is in agreement if there's no quarrel within the family then we could say we'll disregard that note go back to the text that was witnessed but if the other children say no she was she didn't want joe to have you know joe had went away and joe didn't visit she wanted that cut in half she wanted that cut so we have to then you say now you're going to have to go to court to enforce that and um the uh the process of going to court it, it, it is, um, you know, frightening to a lot of people because you say, oh, my God, what kind of expense am I going to run into? And I don't know my way. But the judiciary of New Jersey does have a good website. Um, um, if you just go on, you know, njcourts.org, it will take you. That's not the name of the site, but that search will take you to it. And you can um, uh, find documents that will help you. Let me ask you about this, um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I, because you and I have talked about this on and off air. You could have your will done, a husband and a wife, you could have your wills done at a certain point of your life where you have uh, minor children. Then all of a sudden, because life goes very, very quickly, suddenly the children are adults now. And you may have language in there that there's some executor um, and the, the children are still treated like they're children, but now they're adults it's important to go back and revisit your will as circumstances change. Yes, I, I think the, what's recommended uh, across the country when, you, when we go to the different courses, it really, at least every five years, you should look at the, the whole plan. Um, and usually the, the, uh, the boilerplate language that attorneys use and develop um, in their own form will say, if the child is underage, then the trustee would come into play. But if it's not drafted properly, then you may have the circumstance where, you know, a 50-year-old person is getting their money left in trust. You could, you could make it evergreen or you could make it <laughs> of the moment. And, right. and that's a very good point. So that's a drafting question that where that's why, you know, I've been an attorney for 40 years. And I always say the gold standard is to get an attorney to prepare your will, especially one that... Uh, is, is well-respected in, in this area, and we have a lot of good ones here, fortunately, in Atlantic County. Um, and the other thing, uh, Harry, I wanted to talk uh, about... This is a good question. Oh, go ahead. We got it's a, a good question. question. This is a good friend of the program, and I get... It's going to sound a little sarcastic, but I get where he's coming from. So if I'm left out of a will, all I have to do is write on it to get it thrown out, and then the estate gets looked at as not having a will. That's not what you said. No, well, but I know what he's saying. No, I I hear what he's saying, and there's also the concern. Um, has something happened because, and this is goes back to the the first question, the first thing I I wanted to say. Uh, it's very important for the family to know where that original will is, particularly the executor, and and I've often said, Harry, and is um. 
the most important thing in the will is the person named as executor. Yeah. Because if you don't have a good person, absolutely trusted person to carry out your plan, uh, the plan isn't worth much. It's only as good as the person who's going to carry it out. Because the first person that gets to the will, they don't even have to write on it. What if they tore it in 100 pieces and threw it in a, in a document shredder? And it's gone. It's gone. Then everybody now, says, hey, mom, mom or dad, or mom and dad had a will, but we can't find it. And if you can't find it, it doesn't exist. Right. And if, even if they now, had is there, a photocopy. Let me, let me ask you this. And we'll t- we'll, I'll tease it and we'll talk <laughs> about it after the break. Is it a good idea to have another copy of the will either at the attorney estate attorney that did it and and keep in mind and i can even say this is the case in my case my estate attorney retired right so that office is closed and so we have our copy but would it be a good idea to have another copy uh for example i don't think you could have a copy of every single person in atlanta county but could i could i call the surrogate's office and say, this is me, this is my wife, these are our wills, we would like them to be on file, or you have a copy. Could you put them somewhere else so that nobody could ever say, oh, I can't find mom and dad's will, uh, what's going on here? Uh, and like you said, it could be somebody that that destroyed it, and, and that's why no one can find it. A lot to talk about on that's this. a good question. And we'll be back to it. If you have a question for the surrogate, uh, don't don't be shy. You can call in as well at 609-407-1450 with Jim Curcio. Respectfully yours, I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM, 1450 AM. South Jersey's talk station. Hey, thank you, great one. Welcome back. 24 minutes past the hour with Atlanta County surrogate Jim Curcio. I am early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 because of you once again and again and again. South Jersey's number one news talk radio station, all because of you. We thank you for it. And we know it's all because of you. Uh, a surrogate, Curcio, uh, very important question on the table. Uh, do you need a backup plan? And if you don't need a backup plan, where's the best place to keep your will? Well, that's that's really a very good question, Harry, because the family has to know, and especially the executor needs to know how to where to find that original will. You need the original. Um, it, everybody has their own system, and you know, if you have your own way of doing it, but I think a home safe might be the best way, because um, if you put it in a safe deposit box in a bank, as soon as they learn of your death, they seal the box. So now you have to make an extra trip to the surrogate's office to get an order to allow you into the safe deposit box to conduct an inventory. Is that a time-consuming endeavor? Well, it's an, it's at least an extra $25, and it's time-consuming. Okay. Uh, I mean, we turn them around. I, I turn around instantly. If I'm there, I sign it immediately and let the person go off to the bank. But it's one more, uh, it's one more step. Um, I think a home safe because if if something were to happen in the home, of uh, a, a flood or a, or a or a fire, you know, it would be protected. A lot of people lost wills when the Sandy storm hit. Good point. So you know, something if you could get something waterproof, something that's fireproof, that would be the ideal. But most importantly, is where your survivors are going to be able to access it. 
Now, a safe where nobody but you know the combination is not a winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but as long as your spouse can get in there or whoever your executor is, that's the most important thing because the e- a direct access to the original will and the ability to get that to the surrogate is going to save a lot of headaches for them and streamline the process. Now, there's always ways around it, but... Uh, For example, a photocopy can be admitted through the superior court, but now you've probably just extended the length of this process by two or three months at least. Is is it your authority as the judge of the surrogate court that if there isn't a will or if there's some kind of, I don't know what to call it, dispute or uh, ambiguous thing, if something isn't written clear or whatever controversy could come up or someone challenges, you know, once a contest phase, are you the decider? If, if there is no dispute within the family, then we have the ability to appoint a personal representative for the estate. But we have to follow New Jersey statute, which is the, um, the, the law of intestate succession. The intestate is dying without a will. So, so the, the statute is very clear that the, the first person that would be appointed would be a spouse, then you know, a child, and you sort of go as you would, uh, you think of a family tree, as you would go outward, it goes into that order. Um, And uh, so we do have some discretion. And if none of the heirs are willing to take on the case, then really the the strongest power the surrogate has is 40 days after an individual's death, the surrogate can appoint any fit person to administer an estate. And that's a very important... um, power and duty of the surrogate because oftentimes creditors are left hanging and nobody picks up the estate or the, you know, there may be, uh, everything had just gone by the wayside, but there are assets. Uh, so the, the ability to appoint a local attorney, for example, to take over the estate, or, um, if a friend comes in who can establish, you know, they're responsible to be able to do it. Um, Sometimes money is left to charities, and so the family doesn't really even have a great desire to um, enforce the will, but we can go through the attorney general's office. So, yes, the surrogate has the ability to appoint in a family situation, um, but usually the, the brothers and sisters have to agree because as soon as there's a dispute by court rule, the surrogate is blocked from any further action, and it's got to go up to superior court. So to answer your question, the surrogate has a lot of discretion unless the family has a disagreement. If there's a disagreement within the estate or doubt and difficulty, then in that case, then we have to, now we put on our other hat, we were a clerk of the superior court, and they're going to have to file the necessary pleadings to make it a superior court judge decide that. All right, I have another follow-up, and we'll cover it after the break, but I'll tease it now. If someone, the will is in order, it's the original, it's on that fancy paper that anyone that's ever done a will knows, it's really, you know, uh, very tight and buttoned down, and you decide to not leave a particular family member something, what happens if at the time that you die, somebody wants to contest it? Uh, Now, I've heard things, Jim, and let's talk about it on the other side, where someone says it's a smart idea to leave someone like $1,000 or something because then it's clear that that's what you meant. They, they can argue they were left out, and if there's no mention uh, and so on, what happens to this process if someone doesn't like that they were left out and they could be a child, immediate family member of a parent, and they, you know, the other 
children got taken care of. This one got left nothing. What happens? How is that type of controversy resolved? We'll be back in just a few minutes with Atlanta County Surrogate Jim Curcio. It's Harry Hurley for Perfect Basement. We've been seeing the damage that storms can cause. If rain leads to water in your basement or crawl space, call Perfect Basement for a completely free, no-pressure inspection for waterproofing, mold remediation, and foundation repair. And better than calling Brian, I'm going to give you the email, uh, the website address, easiest way. There'll be a link right there to contact Brian. No pressure inspection for waterproofing, mold remediation, and foundation repair. Perfect Basement is family-owned, based right here in South Jersey, licensed and certified and accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Ask about discounts and special services for realtors. Visit perfectbasement.com. That's perfectbasement.com. And tell Brian that I sent you early in the morning. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And this is Harry Hurley with three stories that you can follow right now on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. One of them is brand new. We found out that Mayor Kenny has ordered all flags in the city of brotherly love in Philadelphia to be flown at half staff all this week in honor of iconic Philadelphia DJ, the late Jerry Blavitt. Also, a New Jersey high school graduate has made the world's most watched movie. Find out who that is and my article about seafood crabs. Oh. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. Here we go, another messy, stormy weather day, starting with snow and rain showers creeping in this morning. Then it's all rain for South Jersey from midday into this afternoon, becoming steady, if not heavy at times. Temperatures go from 40s this afternoon, 50s late tonight. Rainy, stormy weather will continue tonight, wrapping up between midnight and daybreak. Partly sunny, windy tomorrow, high 48. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. It's Jesse Kelly here. I go early in the morning. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station. 38 minutes past the hour on the Hurley in the Morning program with Jim Curcio, Atlanta County surrogate. So what do you do when a will is apparently legal, buttoned down, but it leaves out an immediate family member who wants to then bring about a controversy over the matter? How is that resolved? I mean, because the the person's wishes, if you don't want to leave a penny to a certain uh, child or, or relative, that's your right. Well, that's an excellent question, Harry, because you, um, the way New Jersey law is written, you cannot disinherit your spouse. Correct. You, your spouse is going to be entitled to an elective share of the estate, regardless of what you do in the will. Uh, but a parent can disinherit children. So all children out there, be good to your parents <laughs> <laughs> because they do not have to include their children in a will. All right. If they don't have a will, then the children will all share equally. If you make a will, you can determine who's going to get what. And literally every day of the week, we have a case where somebody is unhappy with the way the distribution in the will. And sometimes, um, sometimes they, and it's 
things are going to be divided equally by the parents. And one of the children says, I should have gotten more or I was promised more. And oftentimes it's as you say, uh, one of the children was a disappointment to their parents and is cut out of the will. And the attorneys, for as long as I can remember, have often encouraged people to put a paragraph in there that says, I leave, you know, I, I with love to my son, John, but I'm not leaving anything for reasons that he's well aware of or something like that. Or sometimes they say, leave him a, a $1 or leave $1,000. But that that that's, doesn't always solve the problem because that child always has the option or anyone has the option who's um, in, is a member of that family to bring an action in the superior court to challenge the will. Now, that um, should involve attorneys and that's going to be expensive and it's going to take a lot of time. But that's where the remedy lies in the superior court. If they come before the surrogate, I mean, they can't. They can't prevail though in in superior court, can they? I don't re- want to predetermine rarely. anything, but if if a, if somebody stipulated that that they're not getting anything, how could they win? Well, if if there is a presumption that the that the uh, testator meant what they said in the will, particularly where it's witness, two witnesses and a notary, that are going to be they're going to be a presumption in favor of the will. However, it depends on the circumstances of how the will was executed. A lot of times we have deathbed wills okay. that make a substantial change. I understand. And yeah. then you have an argument of of undue influence. The longer uh, in advance out in time yeah. exactly. Yeah. The, the 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 farther if out a year time, before, two years before, five years before that's in there, they have no chance of prevailing, do they? Very slim chance. But you always have that argument that one of the children had a um, a position of influence over the parent at a time when the parent was in a weakened state. They were completely dependent on one of the children f- for care at a, a late stage of life, and they changed the will in, in a way that was unfavorable to other family now, members. Now, that person, while that's going on, that holds up the whole will, doesn't it? Oh, yes. So I'm, I'm just, as a lay person, you're the attorney, you're our esteemed surrogate, you, you know the answer to this. Tell me if this is plausible. Many times, if not most times, they probably work it out and give that person something because they're holding everything up and it could be for an extended period. That person can be successful at maneuvering, can't they? Yes, Yes. In fact, I, what I was going to conclude with is the most sensible thing to do is to work it out. You, you have to work it out and try to um, try to accommodate everybody, because if you think about the costs of getting to the end of this, um, it's not like um, when you sue if you're suing a, a big corporation or an insurance company where you've got deep pockets and there's a sort of an endless supply of money, you're starting with a fixed asset or, or whatever the assets of the estate. So the cost of that litigation, attorneys, delay, time, um, it's it's cutting down the size. So you can win the case and still lose because your piece of the pie is less than it would have been had you settled. Yeah, from you're day paying one. expenses. You're paying attorneys and whatever you have right. to do. Who has standing to be able to challenge a will? For example, if a parent dies, um, it could be an ex-spouse, maybe it could be children, I guess grandchildren perhaps, but it couldn't be like some uncle twice removed or something like that, could it? Can anyone challenge a will? Depends on the relationship of the parties. A a, a creditor uh, 
uh, under certain circumstances might have an angle to challenge or um, a, a um, you know, a girlfriend, uh, you know, who was maybe was promised something or has their own written document uh, that they feel was was it uh, was genuine and, and had some kind of promise from the from the person who died. So there are ways to come at a will um, to argue that it is, does not reflect the true intent of the testator. But as you say, there's a presumption in favor of the will. That's one of the reasons we always recommend to everyone, as you do, Harry, go get a will. So and important. the gold standard is to have an attorney to do it. But even if you're going to do it yourself, make sure you have two witnesses and a notary and all four of you together sign at the same time. The testator, two witnesses, and notary present, signed together, and um, and then... Put it in a safe place and keep it because that's that's going to have a presumption by the courts. Um, but anything is subject to challenge. And New Jersey has liberalized um, what can constitute a will. Now, the surrogate cannot accept a, you know, a, a, a typed out piece of paper or a text message or something like that or an email um, that had some type of, of message in there. When I'm gone, I want you to have, uh, you know, my Jaguar but that could be enforceable in the superior court. So we do see those cases coming too. I, I have one other follow-up on wills, and I want to give you enough time to also talk about non-probate assets. We're going to have the perfect amount of time. We'll have 10 minutes when we come back. My last question relative to wills is a handwritten will in the handwriting of the person that is witnessed by two people and notarized in the manner that you said, is that as legal as if it were typed professionally on that special paper by uh, the great Lloyd Eisen, as I nicknamed him decades ago. I told people, go to the great Lloyd Eisen. Now the great Lloyd Eisen is retired uh, because he's, in my estimation, he was the best at, at uh, estates. Uh, we'll be back. That's my question to Jim Curcio. A handwritten will that is fully witnessed and notarized, is that the same? I mean, you could write a check you know, that doesn't have to be on the bank check. And if you do it the right way, banks, you know, allegedly have to cash it. Uh, is it as good or is it not? We'll be back with Jim Curcio right after this. Don't go away. Sean Hannity. New York Times reports starting on November 10th, the president's counselors were in regular contact with their counterparts at the Justice Department. The Justice Department, that is part of the executive branch. Why did they not inform you, the American people, before the November 8th election that they had discovered these documents considering the big deal they made about the Mar-a-Lago raid? Sean Hannity, weekday afternoons at 3 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hi, it's Markley and Van Camp. Join us later today at 1. Now back to Hurley in the Morning on WPG, Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Thank you. Welcome back. It's 51 minutes past the hour. Uh, the surrogate, the Atlanta County surrogate, Jim Curcio, is here. I did a tease right before the break. Uh, one other comment on the, um, the process of having a will or not having a will or this and that, and then we're going to get into non-probate assets. The specific point that I would love you to address, because not everybody can go to an attorney and pay, um, you know, it's not cheap uh, to get it done right, but can you write out an ironclad will in your own handwriting or, in fact, go online and print one of the ones that's available on, you know, on the World Wide Web uh, and 
But I brought up if it's handwritten. If it's handwritten, if it's witnessed by two people and it is notarized properly, is that as good as a typed up will? Yes, I would admit that will. If if you've got uh, the two witnesses and the notary, the form, whether it's typed, whether it's handwritten, printed, or, um, you know, uh, part written, part printed, as long as it's got two witnesses and a notary, and it's clear that it was all done at the same time, then the surrogate's office will admit that will. It could be fully handwritten without witnesses, um, and a superior court judge could accept it. And as I was uh, beginning to say, the laws have now been liberalized to where other forms of written promises, if they have testamentary intent, and it can be proved by the extrinsic evidence, that can also be admitted, but only by a superior court judge. So I could not admit it. But I always encourage people, if you've got, if somebody wrote something on the back of an envelope and that you were promised something and it has real value to you, I would say still bring it into the surrogate's office. Because even though I can't admit it, it we can, you know, help you set up what you need to be able to challenge in court. Or we may tell you, you probably don't have much of a chance, but it's up to you. But you always have that ability to go to court if you believe something's been left with it, testamentary intent. The answer, though, specifically is two witnesses and a notary, we will accept that handwritten uh, document. Then, of course, the person handwriting their own will, though, that would, would almost 100% of the time not be an attorney, uh, they could know what they meant but might not write it uh, clearly enough, could be ambiguous, or you knew what you meant but someone else interprets it a different way if there's ambiguity or whatever the case might be. So that's always at your own peril, though. It is at your peril because people often leave out one critical thing. For example, some people make it, a, a, the disposition clear, but they forget to name an executor. So now they have a plan, but it still leaves to the surrogate to a point who's going to carry that out. And that may create a fight in the family, or uh, I may appoint a person that the testator would not have trusted. And this that. is why when you sit down with someone like Lloyd Eisen, it's like an interview. He, he knows exactly what content needs to be in the will. Well, he's superb. So you don't, you don't leave anything, no I's undotted, T's no. uncrossed. So, all right, let's move on. Non-probate assets, because I know you could put a clinic on about this. Time is yours. Yes. Well, the, the, some of the most important estate planning is going to involve assets that don't come through the probate uh, court. So life insurance, that's going to have a named beneficiary. Uh, the deed to your home. By the way, life insurance is unambiguous because there's a policy and there's a beneficiary. Yes. Right? Right. Well, where it becomes ambiguous, if you and if you don't keep up on it, is your name beneficiary, say, is your spouse, but your spouse predeceased you and you forgot about it. Or sometimes it's a prior spouse and the new spouse is left with nothing. Right. Well, now that's... And that happens. That happens. And that now you're going to court because that's... Now that... It could, you, there's a statute that comes into play for that, that, that that has been anticipated in the law, but you're going to have to go to court. And how now you, you how do you delay. know the intent? Maybe the person wanted to also take care of a, of a previous wife there's, that he loves, but you're just not married. There's an argument, right? Yeah. And also brokerage accounts have a name beneficiary. So sometimes the most valuable things we own are not going to pass through the will. Uh, but you, yet they're open to be to be contested as well. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Ab well, we've had cases where a young teacher, you know, 22 years old has an insurance policy as part of their 
life insurance as part of their um, benefit package. So young, 22 years old, no children, no spouse. So they put mom, they put their mom as their beneficiary. Well, Harry, uh, you know, you and I are born a couple years apart, so you know. Not a couple years apart. A couple days apart, Thank I should you. say. I should say, <laughs> we're born only a couple days apart. Yes. But I, the years, I'm thinking years. Just because, proving I'm a good listener. Right. How fast the years go by. Yeah. How fast the So now this person gets to 50 years old and um, might die suddenly without thinking about it. And they go to the insurance, life insurance. The wife goes to the life insurance or the children and find out that, Ma, uh, the grandmother was left, and she predeceased. So now you've you've that asset has gone into the estate instead of the individual being able to have named who they specifically yeah, wanted. That's that's important what you just said because that leaves someone had they known that or or accounted for that that potential that that the grandparent would predecease, they would have done something about mentioning what happens in that case. Right. Or, or even worse yet, and was, we've seen this too, where they somebody said, "Well, I'm not going to leave it to my mom because I'll probably, you know, I'll probably outlive her by if nature's way." But I will leave uh, my nephew. I have a young. My brother just had a baby. We'll leave it. Put his name on it. Well, this is even worse because now when when I die, the nephew comes and says, "No, he intended me to have that. E. He would have changed it by now yeah. if he wanted." And somebody will say, no, he would want his own children to have it. Well, he provided for them in other ways. So you've got a case, you know, and you don't want to have that case. You want it to be clear. So I say every few years, review your will, power of attorney, advanced directive for health care, but also the deed to the home you're in. This is so vital. People sometimes, it's amazing. People don't realize somebody dies and, and someone comes to my office and says, you know, my husband died. And they're living in a house and their name was not on the deed. Ooh. You know. Um, they could be out in the street. I mean, it's it really is a, Breathing a horribly very stressful and, situation. And, and not have a home to live in. Right. So these are the things that, you know, we, we always throw the word out there. And I love that you give me this opportunity, Harry, to talk to your listeners. Think about these things. As hard as it is to think about the world without me in it, you have to think about that. Because if I were to, if I were to die tomorrow, what's going to happen to everyone I care about and everything, you know, whatever few things I own. You, you, know? you just hit on my belief as to why so many people don't have a will. Because I remember Margie and I sitting down with Lloyd Eisen and you're, ask, you're, you're going over these very tough questions. If something happens to you first or you first or both at the same time and who's the executor and we have three children, we picked Kristen because she was the oldest one. I mean, just a lot of really tough questions that you don't want to grapple with because you have to then face your own mortality. <laughs> and that's, I think, a big reason why people don't do it. Lazy, uh, thinking, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm young. Where, where a tragic accident can happen, anything can happen. 30 seconds, closing comment. Yeah, that's Oh, can that's I just exactly say real quick? True. Every time you come on the program, I hear from people that said, Harry, I got to get a will. And I took care of it because of Jim Curcio coming on. Closing Thanks, comment. Harry. No, I, I just, uh, I really appreciate you, Harry, having me on, and I just want to just publicly thank uh, the staff of the surrogate's office because they they do such a great job there, you know, and I, I'm they they've carried on a tradition. It really almost doesn't matter who the surrogate is uh, when you have a staff like that that, that they pass down this tradition of service from from. Uh, uh, By the way, how far are you into this term? 
Um, I, I would have to run for re-election in 2025. Uh, I can't remember. God is this willing. your third term? Third term. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Are you going to go for another? Well, we'll have to, we'll have to see. We'll see uh, what the good Lord has in store. I mean, Mrs. Mathis was surrogate for 30 years. And the key is to keep that office running smoothly. If things are going well, I... From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you and welcome back. It's six minutes past the hour. I love John's topic today. It's so important. John Walters is here. He'll be talking, of course, as he does, all about reverse mortgages and this topic aging in place, meaning staying in your home, uh, is so important. John, welcome to your program. Well, thanks very much, Harry. I hope everything's going well with you. Yep, it is. No complaints. No complaints. Just to let you know, I was away this past week. I went out to the film festival in Sundance in Utah, and it was quite an experience. Wow. So- sounds like fun. Yeah. So- sounds like fun. My wife and I had a lot. Of- My wife is actually from Salt Lake City. Very cool. And, um, uh, so we had a, a great time out there. But I have to tell you, uh, the topic that we're talking about today about aging in place has a lot to do when I was out in Salt Lake City. Uh, I was sitting with a group of people, and uh, uh, matter of fact, my son-in-law and there were some other people that were out there, and they were asking me, what do you do? So I shared with them, I'm a former teacher, and, and how I had transitioned uh, many years ago into lending and then into reverse mortgages. And uh, he said to me, you know, I hear a lot about reverse mortgages, but I don't know much about it. And he said to me, what do you do? I started thinking about that. What do you do? And and responding to his particular question. And I said to him, well, to simplify it, I look for solutions. And he goes, in, in reference to solutions, he goes, solutions with the reverse mortgage. So our conversation basically got into, I said, in most cases, I said, people are looking to uh, age in place. And that's how this term came up, or I should say, when I was thinking about today's program. And as you just prefaced, aging in place has to do with people remaining in their homes as long as possible. And... uh, One of the things I found out with the reverse mortgage, the majority of my uh, working with with people and with senior homeowners has to do with them and their home and remaining their home because that's how this product plays a part of what what they do, or I should say what I do. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about it today because, because what I found out is that Aging in place and the reverse mortgage, in many cases, it requires a little bit more than just the reverse mortgage. So we're going to be talking about something called stacking, which I'm going to show with you. Uh, Harry, you being a a former financial planner, I'm sure you've heard the term uh, the three-legged stool to retirement over the number of years. 
Do you remember that term? It sounds very familiar, and I talk about the three-legged stool with Chuck Malamut every week for 31 years. So, yeah, do tell. I'm well-versed. I'm well-versed on it. <laughs> You're well-versed on it. Well, for those those that are out there that don't know what the three-legged stool is, is that many years ago uh, they came up with this particular term to, to look at people when they retire and uh, and to use three basic components. And one happens to be Social Security. The other one is a defined pension plan and cash reserves or you know, anything along those lines. Uh, what we're finding out today is that it's taking more than the three-legged stool for retirement or people that are getting prepared for retirement age. And there are several reasons for that. Uh, what we're finding out is that the rate of returns hasn't been as well as we know. Inflation has played a big part of this component. And, um, so therefore, we have to dig a little bit deeper. And and I talk about education all the time, Harry. And one of the things, and this happened this week, and I talked about this, one of the stacking layers that we're talking about, and uh, it has to do with the veterans. Uh, there is a benefit that's called the aid and attendance benefit that's very rarely used by veterans. And what it is, it allows the veteran as well as the spouse uh, to qualify for funds through the Veterans Administration to help them age in place. Uh, what's interesting about this, the problem has been when people have searched this out, it takes the Veterans Administration eight to 10 months in order for uh, the seniors to get their money when they're aging in place. Well, eight to 10 months down the road isn't going to help. Well, I had a meeting this week and I found out that there is a company that actually will front uh, payments. Actually, they borrow the money up front and then get repaid by the Veterans Administration. Uh, I forget the exact process, but the money is fronted up front, which allows them to age in place. And uh, what we're finding out that this is extremely helpful because now people don't have to wait. So it's a matter of educating people about what programs are out there. So what I what I wanted to share with the people today is this this term that that we've talked about, at least in my world, is is stacking. Uh, some of these different programs to help people age in place. So let's talk about what I want to start with is when I, when I'm working with people in reference to the reverse mortgage is finding out what understanding they have about being a senior and finances. So one of the things we talk about is the department of aging. And I always uh, talk about, and it, of course it depends on it case-by-case case basis, but for some people may need what's called the Department of Aging. Now, the Department of Aging is a department that in the state of New Jersey, because each state handles it differently, uh, there is a department usually in the county uh, that they're in, in Atlantic County is over in Linwood, I think it is, and Cape May is in the Cape May Courthouse. Uh, uh, what they do is they will work with seniors with senior issues. 
And it's extremely, extremely valuable for people that may be struggling. And even if they're not struggling to find out what they may qualify or, uh, what programs might make their lives a lot easier. Now you don't have to be destitute. You don't have to be on low income. I'm talking about that there are programs that are out there that people might qualify for because the rules are changing all the time. So one of the recommendations in this stacking order that I talk to people about is make sure you understand the Department of Aging. This is extremely important. Second thing to talk about Social Security Agency. A lot of people don't realize that you can call and make an appointment. People, a lot of, a lot of people all sit with said, you know, I, I don't want to go over to Social Security Agency because I don't want to wait in line. You don't have to wait in line. So educate, educate, educate about the programs that are out there that are extremely important. Um, now, last week, Harry, we talked about insurance. Uh, was to educate people that if they have an insurance plan, they fit uh, either a whole life, a universal life, or a combination, uh, they can actually sell their life insurance. A lot of times people can't afford their life insurance anymore, so they just give up on it. Hey, hey, hey John, John, been- John, hold on, hold on right there. First, I want to get the break in, but I want to follow up on that as soon as we come back. Because that is such an important point. I had a conversation with someone the other day, and I understand why. Because obviously, the older you get, the closer you are to dying, and you know there's all these reasons with the um, the way that insurance policies are done uh, and the cohort survival and all these grids and and things. But I had someone tell me that it was heartbreaking. They had life insurance since they were a child then as a young adult as an employee provided at work and took out a policy themselves paid into their insurance policy for something like 60 or 70 years and literally told me they cannot afford the renewal they can't afford it which means in other words when you need it the most it isn't there for some people that's a, such an important point that you brought up, John. Uh, we'll talk about that and a whole lot more with John in just a moment when we come back. John Walters, all about reverse mortgages. To reach John, you can call 609-231-4924. Please tell John that I sent you early in the morning. 609-231-4924. Back with John Walters right after this. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. It's early in the morning, anytime, anywhere, on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. 22 minutes past the hour, early in the morning, with John Walters talking all about reverse mortgages. Again, to reach John, 609-231-4924. That's 609 231 4924. John, that was a really good point that you made about insurance, uh, life insurance, because people, I mean, this is, I don't think this is a, um, a rare occurrence. People can pay into that for 40, 50, 60 years and more, and then they no longer can afford it and they die without life insurance. 
It's a tragedy. Correct. It's a tragedy. And, and not, not tragic, not just that, Harry, is that uh, everyone's entitled, no matter what kind of life insurance you have, okay? That, as, as I was sharing in the last show, and I was educated on this, it's almost like selling your car. It's not much difference, is that there is a cash value on that. And as a matter of fact, the older you are and the worse health that you're in, the higher premium you're going to get for that policy. And most people, the majority of people, get to a point, I can't afford the policy. And what they do is they don't contact anybody. They just drop it. And yet there is a value on that. So that is extremely valuable, especially if you have anybody out there that's listening that is life insurance that's thinking about dropping it, don't drop it. Yeah. Find out what you can sell it for. That's that's extremely important. Yep. Um, and, you know, and, and as a matter of fact, what they can do is check with their insurance company, insurance agent. Uh, there's information on that. You can actually just pull it up online. But uh, there is a company that uh, that does that. I mean, it's just it's it's it actually by law they have to do it. Yep. Uh, getting 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 back into uh, stacking, we were talking about some of the different avenues that people can use to help them remain in their home. A very very valuable one on a national level, Harry, is called the National Council on Aging. All right, we 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 definitely have uh, you know on a local level at the county, but there's a national level, and this. This uh, National Council on Aging has something called Benefits Checkup. And what that is, is that they can actually do this online, and they can call them as well. It's a free confidential online service uh, for adults to access federal, state, or private benefit programs. There's funding available for medications, food, legal, health care, utilities, housing, in-home service, taxes, employment, training, transportation, uh, and there is billions of dollars that's put into this. Uh, and I usually share with people is that if they qualify for something, and because a lot of this money are grants, if it's not there right now, every three months, different uh, funds are coming into it. So, so the only thing you have to put is NCOA or National Council on Aging. There's tons of information on that. That's another way. Uh, that can be helpful for you to age in place. Now, uh, these different sources that I'm talking about, Harry, all came about because I was involved with the South Jersey Senior Networking, and I listened to various organizations, and we all are dealing with people that are of retirement age, ready to retire. And there's various services that are out there that people don't realize and that's why it's very important to search them out. And what I try to do, just sharing with the uh, aging in place, is this stacking order that I give when I work with people that need it uh, is to share this with them. And uh, uh, it's amazing. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot out there. If they qualify, you've got to understand that there is a, uh, there's caveats to these programs, but, but they are designed for different reasons. And especially, you know, understanding Social Security. Now, moving over the path here, but a lot of people have to understand that Social Security, one of the questions that they ask, Harry, should I collect now or should I collect later from now? And uh, 
Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but usually I say it goes by a case-by-case basis. Some people need it. Some yeah. people can wait. Yep. And I, I am uh, very torn by that question every time we address it. And it, it's it's really worth a minute of time on your program here, John. Uh, Chuck Malamon and I talk about it all the time. And it's really one of those things where you got to look at a lot of factors. Like you said, do you need it? Because if you don't need it, obviously you get substantially more. For example, someone that might be eligible for the maximum right now, and I forget if that's 3800 or whatever it is a month, uh, something close to that. If they take that at 67-ish, if they're of a certain age, some are eligible a little bit before that. Most people that were eligible at 65 already have been collecting. So it's, as you know, it's, it's gone up. Uh, and that's to keep the program. We talk about changes in the reverse mortgage program. They're always looking at it because it needs to be kept solvent for future generations. So now it's something like beyond 67 years old, if you're of a certain age and, and that will keep probably changing. So you, you have to look at, you don't know how long you're going to live. They say, oh, don't take it now. Take it when you're 70. Then, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a whole lot more. But if you die at 69, you didn't collect anything, and you could have been collecting since 62. But if you collect at 62, you might be getting $1,000 or more less a month than you would have gotten if you waited until 66 or 67. It's a very uh, tricky question, John. Yes. And so, you know what it is? It's like a double-edged sword. But yet, you know what? Well, For example, if you knew you were going to live to be 100, you'd wait till 70 uh, if you could. But you don't know how long you're going to live. And there are a lot of people that say, hey, I'm 62 and I know I'm alive. I don't know if I'm going to be alive at 66 or 67. Now, obviously, most people are, I think, women are 82 or something like that. Men are close to 80, whatever the average is. So, you you know, unless you're unlucky, there's a good chance that you'll be around for 15 or potentially 20 years or more past retirement age. But you don't know. So I don't know how to yes. answer that. John, honestly, I have people to ask me that question. I don't know how to answer it because we, there's certain variables we don't know, such as you don't know the shelf life of the individual. Like if you knew that, it's an easy question. Because if you're going to live a real long time, wait and get a whole lot more. But if you didn't live a long time, wouldn't it have been good to collect, you know, a couple thousand a month or whatever it would be starting at age 62? It's it's very tricky. And if you're still working, there's the tax liability of it being tax taxable income. There, the, It's an individual case by case basis. It's very, very tricky. It seems like it's unambiguous, John, but it's not. It really isn't. No, it, it isn't. And I think, you know, just just listen to you talk. It sounds like me speaking uh, the same <laughs> conversation. But it, but it, but but it is a case a case by case basis. I went through the evaluation. My wife went through the evaluation. We, we made two different decisions. Uh, one was based on I retired early. She retired later. She actually had. Uh, something called a spousal benefit for me that most people don't know too much about. That, by the way, this is a very good point, and you have to look at that because sometimes the one spouse could do better by actually taking Social Security off of the other spouse. 
even former spouses you can do that with. Uh, and, and then sometimes it's better if you have a certain number of hours and dollars into the program to go off of your own. But, John, that's another really good point that you raised. That's why it's good to sit down. You know, that Social Security office, I know when Oscar Ernst was there, they're really helpful. They'll, they'll tell you and they'll answer every question that you have. Uh, and you, you should review every year. You either get it in the mail or if you did as I did, I opted out and it's just digital and I can go on whenever I want. It's important to stay current uh, with with any changes and also with your own particular situation because you raised uh, a very um, viable point there. The Social Security benefit that you collect might come differently than you thought if you only thought traditionally of however many years or hours you've paid into, you know, they'll tell you when you've hit the um, the qualifying amount, but you could maybe do better off of doing it the way that John was just saying. These are things to learn about, John. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, is that you can retire. And of course, we know that there is a penalty. I think it's uh, you pay $1 for every three for the first two or three years. I forget the number of years that it is. But then you can go back being employed like myself. And you're paying back into Social Security, and your Social Security can increase from there. That's true. A lot of people don't realize that. Good point. So, uh, yes, and and the whole point of this, Harry, is is that it's very important for people. And I usually tell them, you know, like the Department of Aging, National Council of Aging, contact them once a year, find out what's being offered. Is there anything new? Uh, we find out, we talk about benefits. We talk about, you know, in, there's differences between them. But what I found out is, and I found out in talking with peers, friends of mine, myself, my, my wife, the uh, aspect of the spousal was my brother and I sitting on the beach and reading, I forget which financial, and this goes back a number of years ago. And we looked at each other and said, my wife's entitled to half the benefit. Now, if I didn't read that article or didn't stay in tune to what was going on, I wouldn't have known. And once you settle on a benefit, you're out. If you find out later, you can't switch. You picked it. It's like it's like some of those um, permanent decisions that you can make with Medicare. Uh, John, that's exactly halftime of your program, believe it or not. I, I really enjoy the time that we spend together. It's flying by. John Walters, when I tell you he's the person you should turn to. When you either want to learn about the reverse mortgage or if in your mind you think you're ready and you want to uh, go time. Uh, But John will sit you down. Even if you came to him and said, hey, I know I'm going to do this. John will do the process with you to make sure that it's in your best interest. And, of course, at some point along the line, there's a whole counseling aspect. So even an independent person is going to be able to take a look at it and and not that you can't determine what's in your own best interest. But there's the program has checks and balances. It's a terrific program. And it was set up during the Reagan administration. It was set up and it's been around all these years, 40 plus years, so that you can stay in your home, which is the whole driving principle. And also, when you sit down with John and he shows you all the different ways that you can put this program to work for you beyond just staying in your home and not having a mortgage payment for the rest of your life, unless for some reason you want to make a payment back uh, into the program, then of course you can do that. But most people don't because you don't have to, but you can, if you want, 
John can set up a credit line. You could have a monthly distribution that's done. I I know he calls it, and I know our, our, a good friend of ours in this space called it a, sort of like a home pension plan. So there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of things you can do. 609-231-4924 to reach John Walters. 609-231-4924, and please tell him that I sent you early in the morning. Uh, here's a little word about my good friend who follows us Every day of the week, right here on South Jersey's number one news talk radio station, all because of you. You did it. You've reminted us, uh, and you've done it again and again and again. Uh, And we thank you for it. WPG Talk Radio, 95.5. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Coming up on the next edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show, Rich Lowry. How to stop Mitch McConnell from selling out the house. Richard Haas, Germany. Get them the tanks they need to defeat the Russians. Don't miss a minute of the next edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian Kilmeade is next at 10 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We continue with John Walters all about real estate. John, the time is yours, but I want to put a, a wild card question on the table because from time to time, uh, you, and I appreciate it. You engage me and 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 draw on different things and ask me certain things. I was thinking about this, and I think our listeners would enjoy hearing you talk about it. You had a full career as a teacher, and I know your reputation was f- just phenomenal. Great teacher. How did teaching help you in both your banking career and your career in the reverse mortgage space? Very interesting question. I always wanted to be a teacher from the time that I was as young as I could remember. And uh, something ironic happened to me. I I wound up uh, going to college at Memphis State University, and I majored in physical education. I thought I was going to be a coach. Initially, I was. But uh, uh, what happened was I got into it, and I didn't really care for it. So I switched to elementary education, and, and I became like I. As you know, I was a teacher for 35 years, and education and the aspect of teaching, I loved it. I came in the youngest, I left the oldest, and loved it the day I came, I loved it the day that I left. And I said to myself, you know, I want to transition when I I left teaching. I said, I want to do something, but I don't want to go to a job. I want to go to something that I enjoy. I had the ability to financially make some money, if if that's the case, and also carry those skills over into uh, my next career, if that's possible. And the way that that happened was um, my daughter came to me and asked me to help her uh, uh, refinance a property. Actually, it was to purchase a property, and I got involved, and this this was a year before I retired. And uh, the process of putting her through the application process and talking all the nuances about it, I said, this is a pretty neat uh, business. And I like the business because, again, I'm educating again, except instead of dealing with children, I'm dealing with adults and I'm teaching new information. So. Uh, that's how I began it in the forward world. So going from a mortgage broker to a corresponding lender to a mortgage banker to working the banking side 
transformed world lending and now the reverse mortgage lending. So each one of those steps that I went through was vital and education. I mean, as far as being a teacher was concerned, I found that was really, really the most important thing because it's what I enjoyed. And at the same time, uh, it came back to me how important it was for me to educate whatever I was doing to the people on the other side. Now, getting to the reverse mortgage, Harry, as you know, you've known this product probably as long, if not longer than I have, is very few people understand what a reverse mortgage is. Phone, I know you do it over the phone, but truly to understand this is, is to go, if you can, go face-to-face sit down and talk about this particular program. And I go through a sequence and working with people and finding out if they know nothing about the program or if they have some understanding about the program or a misunderstanding about the program. And that's where we start. And my teaching aspect, I think, is vital for what I'm doing. I mean, I, as you know, I totally enjoy what I do. I educate myself every day on the program, what has changed, what hasn't changed. Uh, and the purpose and the intent there is to enlighten the homeowner, the borrower about this program. At the end of the road, Harry, uh, what I want to be able to do is to put something, uh, you know, when working, working with that homeowner is to put something down on paper and discuss it and work through this to find out what impact is it going to have? And is the impact going to be enough uh, that's going to be important for you? And will, will it be something that will be a game changer? Now, what's interesting with my teaching background is if I can get that across and somebody will say, you know, I appreciate what you've done. But, you know, I, I don't think this is enough for me. I, I, I you know, I've done my job. I, I, that, that's extremely important to me. Or on the other side of the fence, it's a game changer, and they go, oh, my God, this is going to change my life. So the aspect of teaching and this program uh, going hand in hand for me, if that's if that's the way I could answer the question. For oh, I, lo- I loved it. I, I, I have to say, I loved listening to the to the whole narrative, and I I believe that uh, that the teaching when you are in the education business, because you're not just. Um, I know your philosophy. It's the same as mine. You're about relationship building. When you build a relationship, then any transactional aspects. I just always believe that takes care of itself. And I love this topic today about reverse mortgages and aging in place because I think it's a really important discussion. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, hearing you talk about that. And I'm not surprised. I mean, when you spend 35 years doing something and you are really good at it, uh, there are so many of those quality traits that are transferable. And in terms of – and as you, you said very well, John, the reverse mortgage is very misunderstood – I don't know why that still is the case for something that's been around as long as it has. I think some of it is uh, the the outside marketing that's done by actors and different things. And, you know, call me for, you know, for my I'll send you my DVD and this kind of thing. I think that a lot of that is is confusing. And that's why I urge people 
to call John. That's John Walters at 609-231-4924 because he can literally personalize this for you. He'll learn about your particular situation. And and a lot of that, John, is it's, it's basically an interview about what would you like to accomplish with the reverse mortgage, and then you can sit down uh, because it could be somebody that wants to do some a major purchase, not have a mortgage, go on a vacation, spoil the kids and the grandkids now with part of the um, the, the proceeds. And I mean, right. these are all the things that you find out by getting to know people. Exactly, and 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 you put it, you know, you just nailed, you know, you just nailed it there. Because every individual, what we find out with this program, it addresses so many different areas. And every person that I work with, uh, their goals, their objectives are, are different. Some are, are, are the same. Uh, a lot of people want to pay off their first mortgage. That, that is something that's very common. Yeah. But yet I've had, I've had individuals that come to me and, uh, exactly what you said, uh, I talked about this on some of the previous shows. Uh, I had somebody did a reverse mortgage, and what they wanted to do was for their grandkids, they wanted to give each one of their adult grandchildren $100,000 to have them buy a home while they were alive. They could enjoy their grandchildren doing that. How, How fantastic is that, John? That's what I'm talking about. That is so incredible. Now, John, join with me on this, and if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm having a false memory. But in the early years of the program, people got a lump sum distribution, whatever they were eligible to get, 50%, sometimes a little more than that. They just got the lump sum distribution and away they went. Now, and I know especially the John Walters approach is really to put the program to work multifaceted. Am I right in how it used to be? And then talk about how it pivoted to where you approach this very differently. Maybe there's a lump sum distribution of some of some amount because that's what someone wants. And we've talked about how you could get a new roof and and do a vacation and whatever. And like you said, spoil children and grandchildren. But there's so much more that you can do with the program. Right. Now, if we go, like you said, this program started under Reagan back in the middle 80s. And what had happened was, and I shared this with you, Ed Simonowski and Judy May from the FHA were the designers of this program. Uh, Ed, I spoke to many times about this program, how he designed it going back 35, 40 years ago. And what we found out, the program has has been updated like every other program. Why? So when they started out, they would allow you to take 100% of the proceeds that you qualified for. So let's move along in time up to the year 2000, at the beginning of the 2000s, up to the meltdown, the mortgage meltdown. The reverse mortgage, as well as the forward mortgage world, had a major problem uh, as far as foreclosures were concerned back then. And what they found out after they took a look and they forensically looked at all these mortgages, what they found that with the reverse world was the highest rate of foreclosure were the people that took 100% of their money. So what they did was they updated go. the program. It says, no, nah, you can't get 100% of your money up front. What 
what we're going to do is let you take 60% of your money the first year and then 40% on the first day of the second year. The idea behind that is if you were so needs-based, the program says, you know what, maybe this program's not for you. So what they were doing was they have tweaked this program where they want people to use the funds, allow the line of credit to grow, Bingo. be able to, as you yeah, as you said, to be able to uh, get a new roof, new car, college education, whatever it may be. It is your money, you're using your equity, and you can use it as you will, but the program has some guidelines on it. I love it. John, hold right there. If you have more on that, I literally have to get this break in. We're, we're running a little bit late, but we're going to catch up right now. Fortunately, we have until six minutes past the top of the hour when we will turn the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 microphone over to my friend Brian Kilmeade. With John Walters, respectfully yours, I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Now I've told you about how Relief Factor helped me with my aches and pains. Let me tell you about Haven in Texas. Haven writes, I'm taking Relief Factor from my shoulder and lower back, and it works. No more pain. My husband started taking Relief Factor for his upper back and hip and didn't think it was working until he ran out and realized the pain was coming back. Relief Factor just works. We are so happy it's working for you and your husband like it does for thousands of others across America. Relief Factor is a 100% drug-free solution developed by doctors to help your body attack the underlying inflammation causing pain. What activity would you like to be doing again? Your first step to becoming pain-free could just be to order the three-week quick start for only $19.95. After trying Relief Factor, over a half a million people have gone on to order more. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's 800-4-RELIEF. Live your best life and feel the difference with Relief Factor. Listen for the morning edition of the O'Reilly Update with Bill O'Reilly at 1015 this morning. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you and welcome back. 57 minutes past the hour on a program that always goes fast. But, John, I have to say, today um, it has particularly flown by in the blink of an eye. We have, fortunately, the six bonus minutes, or I'd be saying two-minute drill. So we've got about seven, eight minutes. John's topic today on John Walter's All About Reverse Mortgages is aging in place um, I love it. You know, I want to say with dignity and all of that, but it's given. Uh, time is yours, John. Take it away. Thanks. Yeah, I, I thought this topic was very important, uh, especially with reverse mortgages. Uh, as I tried to share at the beginning of the program, what's really, really important is to try to stack those things that are available to you. If, if trying to stay in your home is, is something that you are looking at, uh, a reverse mortgage and finding out what that can do for you can be a component. Uh, the Department of Aging through the county can be another avenue. The National Council on Aging can be another avenue. So when we look at these different areas, uh, what, you're, what you're basically having to do is you're going to do your due diligence. Uh, a telephone call, and if you happen to be computer savvy, or if your children are computer savvy, or, uh, you know, uh, extremely helpful. So my recommendation is uh, 
you could give me a call if you have any questions on these programs i can I can uh, direct you as well. And let me give that number, 609-231-4924. John Walter, 609-231-4924. And as, as you said, Harry, it's uh, I'm very user-friendly. Uh, what I like to do is, as you said, uh, being an educator, I like to talk. I ask open-ended questions. Yep. Don't feel embarrassed about anything. And... Uh, I, you know, that's, that's, and I do, I do want our listeners to know, I mean, I've done everything from break bread with John to have conversations with John on and off air. Uh, you're going to find him so just kind and decent and trustworthy to work with. You're going to love the experience. It's very friendly. John, I want to see if you will join me in adjusting the three-legged stool to financial planning, because I heard you loud and clear, social security, pension plan, you know, savings. And, and so we we could say there's three legs in the stool, but either we add a fourth and then it's even a, 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 a more firm, solid, stable stool. The, your, your home is a part of the stool. Chuck Malamon and I added it to it. And this is really monumental because years ago, during the time of this 31 year program, uh, financial advisors were so, it wasn't even like just it was strong aversion to the um, reverse mortgage to now all bought in and know that it's a, it's an excellent part of retirement planning. So let's put the reverse mortgage, John, into one of the legs of the stool. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and it's funny you said that you, you, you actually were thinking ahead of me. Add the reverse mortgage, and from the stool, we change it to a table with the four legs. There you go. Even so better. Make the, <laughs> even better. But uh, – uh, you had mentioned one. There was a word that you had mentioned going back uh, a few moments ago about this particular program. The idea of this program is to keep it solvable, and uh, the importance of it is to keep this going on and on and on because it's an extremely valuable program. Uh, and I, I, I can't tell you how important it is for some people. Uh, less important for others, but it's a niche product, and you need to find out if this niche product can fit into your toolkit. That's what's extremely important. So if you're looking, uh, if you're considering some options and you're looking at some things financially and you're not sure what direction to go, uh, should I get a line of credit? Should I get a reverse mortgage? Should I get a fixed loan? Uh, it all depends on what you're doing. And it all depends what your objectives are. And uh, there's a lot of other things involved. There's, uh, you know, the reverse mortgage is much easier to qualify than it is in the forward world. And the reason that I say that is that in the for what we call the forward traditional lending world, there's something called debt to income. Normally people are on a fixed income when they retire. So they have less borrowing power. With your home, you can have more borrowing power. So, uh, but of course we have to sit and work all those things out, but it plays a, a, a very important part. But the great thing about it is it offers a lot of options, offers a lot of opportunities. Uh, the only thing you have to do is take a look at it. The most important thing is to understand it and then make a decision on it. So I think that that is, is the way to go. Let me, let me do this in the three minutes or so left in your show for this week. And then we're going to reconvene with John in two weeks. 
help people right now with how they get started. Is there are there things they could put together in advance of meeting with you, either through digital um, conference or or in person, which which I know that you prefer. And it's just such a nice experience to have John in your home, and you know, and all decision makers be a part of it, and all of that. Uh, is there anything they can do to help you help them? Yes. Yeah, a- a- excellent question, Harry. The, the, uh, if you give me a call and I'm speaking to you on the phone again, we can talk over the telephone uh, or uh, depending, uh, we can meet in person, face-to-face. I have no problem with just coming and talking and discussing with you. And uh, I realize that this is a program that uh, basically is like an onion. You're unpeeling an onion, and and the same thing is with this program. So it doesn't mean if I come to your house that I'm expecting you to do a reverse mortgage. If you want to do it, I'll be glad to help you. But otherwise, what I'm saying is it's it's more for information. Uh, As far as documents are concerned, there's only about four or five documents, a driver's license, social security card. If you have a mortgage statement, that's important. tax bill, that's pretty much it. Now, if you are a W-2 employee and we have to use that, we could request require some uh, other documents. But but for the most part, I'd say the average person is about four to five documents is all that we need. Uh, I like to uh, run credit, and the purpose of that is, is to find out uh, exactly what you have as far as revolving installment real estate debt. I take a look at that to see if, if you want to pay any of that off. Uh, and I'd be glad to go through it to make sure your credit report is correct. I could also guide you with a credit supplement if there's anything wrong on it. Uh, but uh, those things, Harry, are pretty much what I need. About five documents um, and be extremely helpful. As far as running numbers concerned, the only thing I need is a home value, a mortgage amount, and a birth date, and I can talk numbers as far as that information, but that's not inclusive because we never know until we take a look at the credit report if there's something they might have forgotten. But, exactly. So I'd say it's more, yeah. So I, I would rather uh, be holistic and do a complete uh summary as far as meeting with somebody and i think that's the best way of going john it was a wonderful program today the wpg orchestra is playing us off of the stage we've got to run but to our uh distinguished listeners reach out to john if this is something you're thinking about or if you believe that now is the time maybe it's something you've been thinking about for quite a while call john walters there's no obligation whatsoever john will review your many options relative to the reverse mortgage 609-231-4924 john i'll catch you in a couple of weeks thank you very much talk to you Harry. thank you my friend thank you so much brian kilmeade is 